everybody. Welcome to Street Fight Radio, your number one anarcho-comedy radio show on any station across the nation. Thanks for being here. We're back. It's the call-in show. Uh, we're doing... We're taking your call tonight. The queue is kind of open right now. If you've just tuned in, you can get in there. The number to dial is 614-655-3887. I'm going to try to top up our balance in the on the program because we're kind of low right now. Uh, but thanks for being here. You can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. Uh, we've also auto-hosted on the Means TV Twitch. So if you get that in your feed, that will take care of it. And we're also on their YouTube. So... Thank you to Means TV for the support and the help. Um, we're excited about their launch that's coming in January. I've been talking to Nick closely. I've got a special episode of the Small Business Tyrants coming out. That's me and Nick talking about trying to get you know all of our projects off the ground and, and what that requires. So uh, look for that coming soon to the bonus feed on Patreon. Um, Shocktober is wrapping up soon. The Howard Stern Show comes out tomorrow, right? Yeah, Monday the Howard Stern Show is out, and uh, then next week there will be a special wrap-up with uh, just a Murderer's Row guest, Chris James, uh, Connor Golden. We have Chris James talking pranks, because he is a prank caller that's been mentioned at the White House. Okay. Uh, we have Connor Golden talking. He I made him listen to all of the 9-11 shows. Great. <laughs> and then uh, we have Big Dave. Because Mawa Express, <laughs> any excuse to have Big Dave on the podcast, uh, I will take. He's a wonderful man. One that of, is a disgusting man. One of the the uh, local small time shock jocks <laughs> in our circle. <laughs> He's a monster, and uh, I, I just I wanted to have him on. He's a big. He was a Howard Stern, Opie, and Anthony Bubba the Love Sponge guy. So we'll get to talk about Bubba, Howard, and Opie, and Anthony with him. And then me and Felix are going to kind of wrap up our feelings and uh, about shock jocks. But don't worry, there will be a Shocktober 2 sometime. And after Shocktober is Teen Fight Radio. That's which, right. Uh, it's me and Brett. And it's it, me and Brett are the hosts, but not just me and Brett. Me, Brett, and Gwen are the hosts. Yeah, triple threat. Triple threat. This is a three-person show. And we will be talking to different women like Kath Barbadaro, Rachel Millman, um, Shannon Strucci. Uh, Shannon Strucci, Karen Geyer. Uh, I think we got Lily Watson, Libby Watson, and uh, uh, Kate Raft. Damn. Uh, yeah, it's just incredible lineup of guests. We're going to talk about growing up. We're going to talk about, you know, somebody brought up yesterday as liar kids mm -hmm. because the Man Cow episode came out and he's a big, huge liar. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to get into talking about liar kids Big lies. and like getting their getting in their mind because like liar kids were like my favorite they were sort of like my favorite kind of of kid i i hung out with one myself and uh he was an enormous liar takes a lot of guts it's you know what you know what's great about liar kids is that like there's no lie too big for them you know and right. when, when like most of the time uh, like it's something it works good with anarchy like it's a good analog to anarchy right like we hung out with this guy named mark that just fucking he lied so much and the lies were so big and you know what we never questioned them right we just let him go you we just were, you're just just like dude oh man that's wild really <laughs> yeah. if this and it, it, your the, dad works at nintendo yeah. shit <laughs> The only the only times we ever questioned we questioned him a couple times and he got furious about it. But it was like I mean I just thought about how like 
you know, uh, it's pretty nice. It was nice as hell. We were all mean kids. We were like a pack of wolves. And like, it was very nice that we never were like, I mean, you're not adopted, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but he was doing you all a favor, though, because then you could say, oh, I know a guy and then just repeat whatever he told you. <laughs> yeah. You didn't break into Buster Douglas's car. First of all, why would Buster Douglas keep his belt in his car? And why would he keep $200 in his car? Like, you didn't break into Buster Douglas's car. So that is a, a new feature of our Patreon, $5 and up. You got to make sure that you sign up for a tier. I know some of you have just upped your pledge, but you got to sign up for the $5 tier or above. And you'll get those bonus audio, the deep dives, the teen fight radio, the shocktober. All that stuff is going to still be available if you sign up in November. Um, but get in there now so that it's in your feed. Uh, that stuff does cost a lot of extra money to do. I mean, Jake was doing 12 to 15 hours of editing on a lot of that. So, you know, it cost us a thousand bucks to make those shows and editing. Guys, we were paying good. The people that did the show all got paid too and it was that show was a lot of work for me too just labor hours wise it, it took a lot of time for me to do and uh i i want to say this if you're like thinking about signing up because you want to hear it people love the show people really enjoyed uh people really enjoy shocktober and uh, I had a great time doing it, and I want to. We're me and Felix both want to do another like run sometime, and uh, I I can't recommend it enough. It's like I worked very hard on that thing, and and I think if you if you want to sign up and get it, it, it's it's worth the five dollars. I think. Yeah, you also get access to twenty four zines, a bunch of live video, and all kinds of other amazing content over on our Patreon. That's how we think keep this thing rocking and rolling, spreading this mess across the U.S. And we appreciate all the support of listeners that have uh, got us here. Um, we really do. It does mean a lot to us. Um, we are coming out to the West Coast uh, in November, about two weeks from now. You can come see us. We're going to be in Seattle, Washington, for two shows. On November 9th, we're going to be at the Beacon Theater. We're going to do an Undercover Boss. We're going to do two shows, 7 and 9 o'clock. We're going to watch an episode of Undercover Boss. Brian and I will pause it. We'll talk shit over it. Uh, the Minion Death Cult guys will be there, too. Might even be some uh, other. The Block Party guys might be there, too. Okay. It's possible. Okay. Seattle, Washington on the 10th is when our big show is happening. Minion Death Cult and Street Fight Radio. Uh at the clock out lounge last time we packed that place out so get your tickets now uh, also we're gonna have the pod cast opening up that seattle show those motherfuckers those pod cast guys they're the they're the real divas i well, hate them i mean they we had to move a lot around to get them on the show but i think it's <laughs> gonna be great we're also gonna have the same show happening at kickstand comedy this is a very small show um so you need to get tickets now we're more than half sold out on this thing uh, that's also going to be Street Fight Radio, Minion Death Cult, POD cast. Um, with some version. I think it's going to be some version of like that. Uh, they, they. Uh, I will say that in Portland, they made a short in the show. So we might have to do uh, just uh, Minion Death Cult, Blocked Party, Street Fight. And then all together. I don't. I don't know if the POD cast m might not make it on. That okay, one. we'll see. Or the POD cast will come on and Minion Death Call will perform with me and Brett. We haven't figured it all out yet. They just shorten the show, so we have to figure out a way to do it in a smaller amount of time than we had planned on originally doing it, like we are in Seattle. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Oakland, California, on November thirteenth. 
uh, Minion Death Call and Street Fight. Minion Death Call is coming with us the whole time. We are also going to have the uh, Brace and Brian show opening opening up uh, in Oakland. Uh, November 15th, we'll be in Los Angeles again at the Virgil. And then November 18th, we're going to come to San Diego for the very first time at the Che Cafe. You can find all of those tickets by just going to streetfightradio.com at the very top uh, of the page on the right-hand side. It's just going to say Left Coast November Tour. Click on it, and that will put you all the ticket links in there in one neat list. Also, the Facebook events. Please RSVP and share let people know as much as you can there's so many people that have no idea so if you know someone's a lapsed street fight listener and they might like uh going to the show please reach out we have folks every single time that we come through town say that uh they didn't had no idea we were there yeah and uh uh la you know we can definitely uh, i mean i'm pretty my woods 98.9 percent jack allison will be with us there. okay cool he performed and with us last time. Else? Yeah. Barefoot. He's a wonderful man. Um, so I went to the uh, father-in-law today. You went to the father-in-law. It's his birthday. Oh, you went to father-in-law. Okay. I went to father-in-law land. Uh, you know, hey, let me say this. He's not allowed to talk politics around me. Okay. And uh, yeah, for new ooh. listeners, uh, maybe what? A few months back, Brian reported on the screaming match. Who well, no, He didn't match him. Got screamed at. Uh and so now I didn't scream at him. He no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I still talked. We talked. I right. just don't get all yelly red faced. Yeah. I don't get mad like that when, because I do it for a living. It's kind of, I have conditioned myself to be a normal person. Right. When I'm having your a composure. conversation about politics and he just got so mad. And then the last time I was around, he yelled something about killing Muslims or how he hates Muslims. And we left immediately after right and uh he was told he's not allowed to talk about politics around me like that's politics but yeah um and uh i think i'm gonna let him talk paul i think i'm gonna like really cancel the one you want to get yelled at again i just you won you're mad that you won i'm watching this guy like white knuckle it on the couch and it makes me feel like god i feel like a coward here like a safe space coward right you know i want i i don't i'm not i'm not afraid of your politics i just don't find it particularly pleasant to have the conversation you know like it's it's not like a thing where i'm like someone to scream bigotry at you right right it's not a thing where i'm like offended obviously like i'm not offended it doesn't bother me I mean, it doesn't bother me in the way of, like, I'm going to go home and, like, be sad about this. It doesn't affect, like, the end of my day. You know, in the end, I see him as a guy who lives in the middle of fucking nowhere and sits in a room by himself all day and largely doesn't affect anybody else's life except for one time every four years when he goes and votes for a fascist. You know what I mean? Like, other than that, I mean, he's not out bothering people right. or anything he's not actively he's yeah. he's a keyboard racist right he doesn't go anywhere he doesn't do anything and uh i disagree with him like on everything you know when we had a conversation it was just talking about history with a friend uh a friend somebody that listens to the show that's like kind of related to me and uh, i was just talking about how like you know histories they were talking about how they teach history in public schools And I kind of said, I think there's value in learning what everybody else's understanding of history is. Right. If that makes sense. Like I see, like people are, people ask me a lot about like, 
when the history teacher teaches Gwen, like currently she's learning about communism and socialism and capitalism. She's learning about those three things. And, you know, it's fairly obvious that when they teach about these things, I mean, I know we have a lot of teachers that listen to this show that probably teach it differently or, or that like, but there's going to be a slant against socialism and communism. Yeah. We know that. It's, yeah. It's a brainwashing school. Right. But that is also how everybody, that's how it, everybody else's opinions about history are shaped through that. Right. Unless you go to college, you know, so there is value in understanding at a base level what everybody else understands. And then it's your job as a parent to supplement that. And for me, I feel like my job is as a parent is to sort of make her understand like, cause this is what he's mad because he says they added diversity to history, okay, which is ruining history. And for me, it's like, they didn't add diversity to history. There was p different people experience things in different ways. That's all it is. Yeah. It's like, whatever you think your objective history is, is a narrative told by somebody who relayed the story of a thing that happened. So the shot heard around the world that started the Revolutionary War looked very different to every single person that was there in the area. Yeah. So the story that you learned is the story told from the side that the shot rang out to or, or whoever. Yeah. And like, it's, I don't think that's subjective. I don't think there, I think it's the, that, most, it's the most useful one for American empire. Right. And the I most think useful history, story for that, for uh, manifest destiny mm -hmm. and all the bullshit. Right. And I think history is subjective. I don't think it's an objective thing. I think there's like a million ways to look at every event, you know? And, uh, I don't even like really hold strong opinions on, on like, you know, the constitutional convention to me just felt feels like when I, th this is a good example of, of how, like he sees the constitutional convention as a group of geniuses that got together and figured out the best way to run a government. And I see the constitutional convention as a bunch of rich guys that got together and figured out a way to consolidate their power. You know, that is subjective. It's whichever way you look at, like I'm, I'm right, obviously, you know, <laughs> sure. in this subjective, <laughs> in this subjective thing, but Hey, you know, he, he has, his way of thinking yeah and that's the way he was taught and uh i think it's i i think hearing him say that they've added diversity to history education and that he's a history buff i i, I find it odd that he doesn't get that like how can you say that you're a history buff if like you're not trying to con consume the maximum amount of like perspectives on a historical event you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it, it would make you sad. I know. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's, I also found out he's cutting out memes and putting them in albums. What? Yeah. He's albums? Them. Yeah. Like photos. Like, With like the peel like, back plastic yeah, thing? Yeah. Like you, how your family you, like looks at pictures. I mean, <laughs> haven't done that in a long time. I mean, my family <laughs> cuts on the Apple TV and we all just throw our fucking picks up there right me too i haven't taken like a hard copy picture and i mean looked at it in a photo op but that's even we wanted to do a meme off we could have like do that on a tv but just a really good you know it's like just a, a good that's a history book to that's him. a history like, oh here here's here's one with a minion on it that is yelling at colonized people yeah you know? <laughs>
I remember this. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, that was a big day. I mean, that got over 5,000 shares. And a <laughs> lot of people's Thanksgiving were ruined. <laughs> I think I, I think it's unfair. Here's what I think. I think it's unfair that he's been muzzled by somebody without me requesting him be muzzled by got somebody. It. Like, it's unfair well, that it comes on to me. Like, because somebody doesn't want to be uncomfortable. Like, because. Yeah, but you got to respect that person's right. Like, I don't want to hear this shit. Like, I don't care what Brian thinks. I don't want to hear this shit. Right. She hears it all day, though. All the time. Yeah. She yeah. married the fucking guy, dude. So she's like your use. She's like your scape, her scapegoat. Then she can be like, oh, no, you know, Brian's here. He's too sensitive. You, no more. Just That's exactly what I feel like. That's what I fucking feel well, like. Dude. Yeah. And like, imagine <laughs> this. Like, I, don't want, I want you to. I want to put all of you listeners out there and Brett and Jason's in the room. I want to put you in his shoes for one, just one quick second here. This guy sits and he watches YouTube all day and he looks at memes and he scrolls his, he has Facebook for dummies book. I saw uh, like, oh, he, that's great. <laughs> he, he scrolls through his Facebook all day and he reads what all these sicko libs are out there doing and then a leftist podcaster comes to his house and he's not allowed to yell at him yeah and i just feel like i'm ripping something away from a person that i have cared about in my life you know now i kind of don't love him as much but it's kind of like i'm just like i'm your straw man dude i'm the guy i'm the guy you're yelling at all day and then uh, you're finally in front of me and you don't you're like not, not allowed, allowed to yeah. do that and it's not because of anything I said, right? Like if this that would was be an edict for me, if I said I shan't come over there if he talks politics, then like that would be my fault. But that's not what I said. I just said it's not fun for me. It's not like the same kind of fun for me that it is for him. And that like, you know, I have an outlet and I can talk about politics a lot through the week. And I just... You know, when I'm hanging out on a weekend, I like to, you know, talk about movies or music or books or fucking like, like anything else sure. in the entire world, you know. But that that's what he wants to talk about. And it was a big day for those guys, right? Like, because the ISIS guy got killed. Ah. The leader of ISIS, which... I didn't know the CEO of ISIS? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we were talking... I was talking about that with my wife, and it's really funny how, like, you know, she... Had, she listens to Street Fight, and I think it has like sort of made her look at politics differently since we were together, and since the earlier times when we were together, much the same way the Street Fight has made my politics different too. And my, I, I told my wife, I was like, you know, uh, your dad was pretty excited about uh, Al Baghdadi getting killed, and and like Trump announcing it, and she was like, yeah, it's just some. She goes like this too. I swear, she goes. Yeah, like the America just builds these guys up and calls them a leader so they have a reason to go kill somebody. And yeah. like they, then it's important they killed the guy that they built up as a hero. You know? Right, right. Or as like the top guy. And that's really all it probably is. Is like they picked a guy like, hey, this is the top guy of ISIS and we got him, you know? So that, that, uh, it was funny to hear her just like the, 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 the kind of political, uh, the way that she thinks about politics now compared to like when we first got together where she was even sort of like, I don't care. Like yeah. she's skeptical. We've made her skeptical of everything. You sure. know? Yeah. <laughs> Me and you are skeptical, like naturally. Like when they said, when Trump like 
it was so odd to me that the, the thing I took from the uh, al-Baghdadi, I'm probably saying it wrong, killing, was that Trump posted last night, I have big news, I can't wait to tell you. Like, he teased yeah. the morning press conference. And to me, that was, like, the interest, it, like, he was doing, like, a commercial break. Like, he was teasing, announcing that they killed a guy. To me... I look at that and I'm like, we just fucking, we live in a TV show. We live in not only in a TV show, but we live in a trash TV show. We live in like the Jerry Springer show world. You know what I mean? And it was just, that was that like teasing it is, is, is like a really funny, that was just a funny thing to me that, that he teased the announcement. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a show business guy, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess it just goes to spectacle and now we're just really uh I mean, he definitely has took he took to it naturally and uh has gotten there by doing all of these antics. Like this is the reason that people will keep watching. You know? I keep watching politics. Yeah. The TV show called Politics. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, I, again, bad guy, but it is odd. I guess like a part of me like identifies in a weird way. I like had another moment this week where I identified with him. He posted dear Tim from Apple. I missed the home button. And I was thinking that on the same day that he posted it. Wow. And I was like, I think maybe I'm him. Like I, like, I hope I don't end up turning into him, you know? Cause he was like, I think a left, a liberal guy at some point and then turned into that. And I'm like, I hope I'm not him, you know? You might be. I could be. It's possible. I'm, I'm muzzling people. They're not allowed to talk about things around me. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, it's such a cruel society. It's like uh, just everybody is on edge and like with bloodlust. Uh, and like, this is what people want is righteous killings. Like, this is what people want from the government. This is what these folks want from the government is righteous killings. Do you think that there's an excitement about this one? Really, though? Like, I don't feel. I actually, I haven't. My, I. You know what? I got to say, I'm, I'm very far behind on this one. Uh, you kind of knocked me over with it. I didn't even know what happened. I And I am usually that. Well, the Minion Death Commandos, the Minion Death Cult, like their group, they do a pretty good like daily outline of like what what the conversation is. But I haven't seen anything about it. I saw way more. Um, I saw way more. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Osama bin Laden. That's what I'm video, saying. Videos. Like this isn't the um where uh, I I think like we're at a point where we're in in you know, we're still like way over to the right on this, but I do feel like we've come a little bit of, of a way away from like like super muslim hatred. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I mean <laughs> I, I mean, I mean it's, I just it's, the it's just because the Democrats are in charge that they're supporting them. But as soon as they're in charge again, they'll be back to hating Muslims. Yeah, they'll be back to killing them. <laughs> right. Killing tons of them. Right. But I'm saying, like, it doesn't feel the same as it did in 2005. You know, it's like uh, if you're looking at a time like 2004, well, 2005, is, 2010. This is what Katie said. This is because this is a guy. I mean, sure, he was the number one on their list. But, like, they make the list. And so it's like. I always put the easiest thing to do on the top of my to-do list. You yeah. know, that gives you like a bump and like makes you feel good. Like you did something, you know, I know I just, I'm reading his comments though. And this is like, just, I mean, this is just so bad. Um, it's just all meanness. It's just pure meanness. And that's like what your fucking father-in-law is just so attracted and wrapped up 
and his like meanness, cruelty, all of the old school shit, you know, of yeah. like being in pain or inflicting pain, being either always in pain or, or be the one inflicting pain. Like that's the two states that you could be in. It's something uh, we uh, on the Opie and A Anthony episode of Shocktober. There was a part where we were talking about how like Wait, this uh, is a Colin show, isn't it? Well, yeah, but sorry, we're allowed to talk. I know, I know. I just got. I was ready to like talk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But there, there is a part. uh, There's a part on that show where we talk about like um, how they like they they like could have had a conversation with each other and become friends again, but instead they decided to like plow forward because like generationally they come from a time. Where people were like, "I mi- you're miserable at your job. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's that's how you live." And and I really do think that there is like a generational thing, and it's even people from my generation, like yeah. Gen X and stuff, where it's just like, uh, "No, no, the whole thing's supposed to be miserable. Yeah, and we're yeah. supposed to be mean because we're miserable, right? You know, right? Yeah, and that that's that's what I think. That's I think it's the that's the case more than anything. You know? Yeah, yeah. It is. It's like that's and that's what they're so obsessed with. And that's what the people were more into is like this will hurt hurt more feelings. Yeah. This guy hurts more feelings. Yeah. I mean, they act like we've become like people, not just feelings. Yeah. Well, they act like we've all become soft, but it's like I still feel like a good portion of everything is mean. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I, I think that there are I think that the sensibilities maybe are a little bit softer than they were, I would say, like 10 years ago when when like uh, when like things like when things like Family Guy and South Park were like the top things. And like, you know, there was more of a sense of like comedy is cruelty. And like, uh, I think things are a little bit different now, like things have kind of evolved past that. But I don't I I still think it's fairly mainstream that the things that people find funny or enjoyable are largely mean or sarcastic. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> like you just have to go on Facebook and read memes, dude. Like the people on there share some of the meanest oh, I know. stuff you can ever think of. I know. Some I mean I <sighs> I, I remember being back in the day making a few mistakes of like commenting on the wording that was in someone's meme and they're like WTF, what is wrong with you? I was just, it was just a joke. And it's like, yeah, but you called like people subhuman dogs or something. <laughs> I know. You had like Willy Wonka calling people, you know, vermin and shit. Yeah, or the or the philosoraptor. Yeah. Like ta- saying something racist and, and saying like stereotypes are there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, right. And you're like, dude, <laughs> right. Come on, man. That's not funny. <laughs> yeah. That's not even like a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like so much of like mainstream. I mean, we do meanness too. I mean, it is all wielding meanness, you know. It's just like this powerful source, and like when you lean into it way too much, uh, I mean, it it should fuck you up. But like Trump is winning with it, right? I mean, we meanness is. Uh, uh, Jack Allison said this recently that like, unfortunately, bullying can be funny. Like that, like it was when we were talking about Howard Stern, we were talking about the fighting that he did on the show. And it's like, look, uh, I don't do it and I don't like it. And I think it sucks, but it, unfortunately it can be funny. Yeah. And people will laugh at it. And if we're like I, taking I, a serious look at like mainstream culture, 
they love bullying, man. Yeah. They love it. That's just what they do. That's yeah. like everything they, is bullying. Yeah. They uh you know what is also it's it's constant uh on Minion Death Call is a suck it up buttercup. Yes. That, that gets said about a million times uh, a day on Facebook. Oh, someone, I know. I someone see says it. suck it up buttercup. Yeah. And it is it's the matter of like uh all right, you got you got you got a targeted uh for uh bigotry or hatred or attack or you were excluded or someone was awful to you. Now you're just supposed to like become better. You're supposed to turn into a diamond from all that pressure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like if somebody walks up and is like, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm not really comfortable picking a gender. And then there's like, oh no, we can't let that person be happy. We can't have them have an enjoyable life, you know? It's like it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Make like ten thousand insults and then be like, I don't hate you. You just gotta suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? Right. Just keep making the the uh Oh, I identify as a pot roast right now, or whatever the the one joke they have, you know. A bat. Uh, I identify as a, a fire jet. Is yeah, what they're always identifying yeah. as. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know. It's a fucked up world, and uh, it's. Uh, I can't believe you won, and you don't like it. I, I mean, I him. just you got him. You muzzled him. I. But now you feel like he is probably on like Stormfront, saying like, you know, the goddamn liberals are winning in my house now. Yeah. I I just feel like I didn't I didn't issue the edict, therefore I don't like the edict. It's a sure. weird like anti-authoritarian thing, maybe streak in me where it was just like I didn't I didn't I'm not I have I regardless of what I do as my sort of comedy, I still put a premium on not being able to be offended. Weirdly, in my brain, you know what I mean? Where it's like, uh, yes, it's very offensive. And I understand that it offended you and the person that said it shouldn't have said it. I am not offended. And I like, I, for some reason, see that. I think I see that as a virtue in my mind. Yeah. But I don't think it's right. I'm not like saying that like the way I think is right. I think it's a twisted thing that like just is a holdover from the previous version of myself. Sure. You know, that like, it's probably something well, I should, it's probably something I should like kind of get rid of, but no. it is just a thing where it's like, I just, it is helpful to engage. Like if someone says like, you know, if someone says inflammatory stuff, you don't want to start screaming at them because it doesn't help. If you can just be like, all right. I mean, you said it's like when it's exactly what I don't care for. Like when someone's thinks saying slurs is like comedy because it's like anybody can do that really it, it doesn't take that much guts to say it and it's cheap and it doesn't make any sense like it, i mean it doesn't it's not a joke at all like yeah. it's, it's not a point to just say like i want to do genocide it's like that's not really politics though that's like something that you should be like we should watch you like maybe are you gonna have violent yeah like, kind of i think yeah that sounds like a threat maybe yeah. i don't know are you gonna be like a domestic terrorist or something uh but I don't know. It, the The whole thing is just a fucking rat's nest. As soon as you get into it, like, it's, there's just, I don't know. The, well, they're not changing their mind. There's not, right. like, a fight I can have. There's not, like, an argument I can have where they would even concede that I was right. Sure. You know? I think I just, I, I have been in the arguments and I've made I, what I believe to be good arguments. And just yeah. been blown off as yeah. like that's politically I mean, correct bullshit. You know when somebody there is people that are willing to hear your stuff and be like, oh, I thought about it again. But somebody like that just is looking, you know, they're looking for just to get that last 
vast little bit of anger out of their system to get well, like whatever whatever endorphin rush they get from screaming at somebody. And whatever content they they consume already knows my like sort of knows my arguments. Yeah, yeah. And is is getting really bad faith versions of them in yeah. their head. Yeah. So that when I make my argument, it, they're reading it as the bad faith version that they've heard and they are spitting their formulated arguments to the bad faith version of my argument. And like, I can't win that way. Cause it's not even like yeah. the person isn't like even engaging in what I'm saying. They're engaging in what somebody says that I say. Right. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, you want to get to these calls? Yep. We'll take some. We'll. I'd love to hear some nightmarish conservative parent stories. Um, I was recently around some really good parents, and I, I really that bugs me. Uh, you know, I. It's just so weird when people like I am going to have a good relationship with my kid, but when I see people my age that like talk to their parents and have like these relation just regular relationships, you know, I just think of family as such a dysfunctional thing. I do too. You know, so. Uh, uh, you know, please keep the happy stories off this fucking call-in show. We'll we'll save that for Mother's Day and Father's Day. I like Day. happy stories. You can give me some happy times, but I do love to hear about this dysfunction for some reason because that's what I spend all my life in. <laughs> yeah, as I'm comfortable navigating those waters. Let's see who our first caller is. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? It better not be a skeleton up front. Oh, no. Did they get too high and drop the phone? Did the scream monster kill you? Hello. I don't even hear a. Di I don't hear heavy breathing. I. I is mean, is it coming from in the house? Like I didn't hear. I don't hear anything at all. It. Yeah, it was work. I mean, I definitely we heard the call in studio. What, what we heard the call in studio. Sorry, that was my ISIS leader video I was watching in the background. Um. All right, let's see. Sorry, first one's a skeleton. Great spooky start to this Halloween uh, call in show. Sorry you died uh, waiting to be on the show. We will. Uh, Send flowers to your funeral. Uh, next call in here. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, Brett. Hey, Brian. It's Haley. What's hey. up, Haley? How's it going? You're not a skeleton. It's, I am not a skeleton. No. Uh, so you want you want bad uh, conservative uh, family member stories, correct? Yeah, spooky shit. Let's do some real horrific. Yeah, let's stuff. do some, <laughs> let's do a horror show okay. tonight. <laughs> um, I've got I've got a couple. So one involves my my dad, and then the other one involves um, my grandmother, his mom. Um, but it, I'll let you be the judge of which one is more horrific. Um, at any rate, uh, you know, my dad, so after I came out, uh, my dad was like, okay, cool. And then I go to his house the same day that I come out. And essentially what ends up happening is, is him and his wife, um, my stepmom, and even calling her that makes my skin crawl. Um, <laughs> she, uh, they sit me down and then they tell me that, like, I'm, in their words, committing a sin against my body. And this was like in the summertime. So I was sort of like just moved out or about to move out from the dorms because this was when I was still in college. And, uh, so I basically, they kicked me out of the house and I basically had the couch surf the whole time for about a month. Um, and on top of that, like I had to deal with texts every day from my dad telling me all this stuff about how like sorry I should be for doing this to him. So they um, kicked you out 
because you came out and they said that that you're doing a sin against your own body. Yeah, man, that's a holy temple. Yeah, but see, it's wild because my my his wife, my um, you know, we'll, we'll just call her um, we'll, you know, Terry. I'll Terry. call her like yeah, yeah, we'll call her Terry. Um, she uh, she's like this weird like like sort of like pseudo progressive like she watches msnbc and like mainlines rachel maddow and like runs a zendo oh god um, can is, i ask can what I is ask, going on here can i ask if she i like uh, just a question to, to point out mm-hmm. like maybe a hypocrisy does she like drink or smoke or, or like do any drugs or anything like that no she's like a massive health nut damn Damn, because I was like, like, that's a sin. Like, so I wish, uh, like, I was trying to figure out if she does any sins to her own body. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, where it's like, you could have been oh, like, I gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my dad does. My dad smokes and drinks like crazy. And to be fair to my dad, he's come around since then. But, but yeah. I don't know about her because I don't talk to her anymore. Um, yeah, that's, but, uh, uh, that's the worst. They're yeah. all like, they're just so narcissistic and that they don't even see you. They just see you as like a thing they own, you know, or like you're a pet or something. And they have no understanding of you oh. as like a fully realized person. Like I, I, I've had situations uh, where, you know, a f- parent is just so focused on what this means for their life and all the stuff that they do. And it's like, I, what does it have to do with me? Like, I don't, you're, you're like, you're, you live your own life. You can go live your own pious life. I, you're going to see me on holidays. What the fuck does it, why is it a problem? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it was wild because the, the whole conversation even happened because I had, it, that was the same day San Diego Pride. Speaking of San Diego, I heard you guys were going there. Jake FA. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, I had like these like rainbow beads on, like, cause I was in that kind of like really just dumb gay face. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that started the conversation. Like me coming out was fine, I guess, because I hadn't gone like far enough with them, like in terms of like my physical appearance for them to start worrying about it yet. Uh... But I think the rainbow beads made them like, Oh, like, oh, you know, like, oh, shit, like, you're actually not kidding. Like, I was doing some weird, ha, 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 got you, gender transitions are funny, right? And, you know, and, you know, that's what started the fight. And essentially, so, you know, I I ended up, like, the only reason I ended up going back there was because I think there was a conversation with my parents. I don't know the exact story, but, you know, but the, the, like divorce agreement between my my mom who is um married to a woman you know she's gay and um him like basically stipulated that i had to be supported entirely from him um like through child support and like housing and stuff until i had finished college essentially and um if he didn't he could like either go to prison or like she could just sue him for all his money and he was like all right fine um, but his mom, my grandmother, who is still alive, uh, unfortunately, um, 
Oh, do, do I have a lot is. of people that I know in that in that un, still alive, unfortunately, camp? <laughs> she's she's insane. She's an Italian from the old country, and she's nice. She just turned ninety five, and like it's almost like she forgets that I'm Jewish. Like on my mom's side, it's like she, it's almost like she completely forgets that. And on top of that, she's extremely racist. So she's like, I mean, those go hand in hand, but. You know, uh, she hates the Jews. Uh, she thinks that the ACLU is a Jewish communist conspiracy, which is like some weird, like, proto-Nazi talking point. But also, I remember I was dating a black girl um, before I had come out. And I asked my dad, who's, like, totally fine with that. Um, but I asked my dad, I was like, hey, can I bring my... Uh, this, this girl that I'm talking to, her name was Aaliyah, like after the singer. And I was like, oh, can I bring Aaliyah with me to the, to the uh, Christmas party? And my dad like pulled over, we were driving, and he's like, I need to explain to you. Like, I need to talk to you about grandma. And I was like, oh God, here we go. Damn. And he tells, yeah, like you have to pull over the car. And yeah. like, oh, like, here we go. You're going to listen. I can't do, I can't <laughs> drive and do, I can't drive and do this. And I also can't wait until we get home to say this. Yeah, it's I like there is something about like hate that makes people like live longer. It, it feels like where it it's does. like we're gonna die young. Oh yeah, like I'm gonna die at like 55. But like mm-hmm. people that just sit around and are racist all day oh, and yeah. drink and and like dip and smoke are just gonna live they're, until they're 95. They're always like they're, 92. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's wild. It's wild you guys say that because she's had like five heart attacks. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to stop. going. Yep. It's <laughs> and, a different. It's, she doesn't run on blood. It's, it's hate, too. It's just that hate and, okay. pushes your oh, yeah. blood. The, the hate pushes your heart to beat. It's <laughs> right. Like, she's making her heart beat one day longer <laughs> so she can hate more. <laughs> I haven't got all my hate oh, out God. yet. <laughs> it's so true, though. Because, like, I, I. So he starts telling me. He's like, oh, yeah, when I was your age, so I was like, okay, this is a weird way to start a conversation about my grandmother. Um, but he's like, when I was your age, I was also dating a black girl. And I brought, I actually did bring her over and for a family get together. And the whole time she was over there, she like, my grandmother followed this poor girl around and like started whispering in her ear the most heinously racist shit. Oh, you this can is, possibly think of. This is a bad. This is to a horrific story. Yeah, this is. A, you got us. You've on the very first one. I feel like you should have a light, like yeah. a, a flashlight under your chin. Oh no, God! And it was like, and he had no idea. I felt so bad for my dad in this situation because he's like, I had no idea this was going on. Right. And and she like told him, I guess, when they were going home, that she had like called her like some like crazy like six different variations of the n-word like all this crazy stuff and like mixed in with some like good old traditional italian racism which like is a whole nother level of like fucked up and it was just like and so they broke up because she's like if that's your family i don't want anyone to yeah. deal with it yeah there's no and there's no future so, here really yeah and i was like i uh, like I'm sorry, but like I'm sorry, Dad. Like I agree with her. Like I would have been, the, I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. And she, so like, and he's like, no, don't do it because 
you know, your grandmother won't be able to handle it. She could barely handle it when her, like, regular kid did it. Now imagine her grandchild, her grandchild of the same kid. Yeah. And I was like, like, God damn. And then I, after I came out, you know, like, I remember one time I made a really stupid mistake. And I, like, I'm not, like, a feminine person at all, but I had that phase because I felt like I had to. Um, you know, a lot of trans women that are butts go through that phase. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, I, w- I had these jeans that, like, had, like, some glittery stuff on them. I was that stupid. And I forgot that I had was wearing them when we went out to a Christmas party. And the whole time, like, I get to, I go to the restroom, and I notice it. And I'm, like, freaking the fuck out. And, you know, so I, have, I was lucky I was wearing the longest shirt that I had. Um, so like covered all the glitter parts, but I made sure to like make sure that that shirt never rode up like at all. And the whole time that I'm there at this particular Christmas party, um, is the whole time she's talking about like trans stuff. Cause I guess around this time, the Pope at the time had like issued this like anti-trans screed or whatever. And she was like, going off about it, how right he was and how trans people were satanic and like, you know, the worst perverts and like all this other stuff. And the whole time I'm just sitting there freaking out like, oh God, her family, I, I couldn't tell at that point if the family, if the family was placating her or just eating or just like actually believing it. And there's like two family members that I know now were buying into what she was saying. The rest of my family, funny enough, doesn't care. Um, but the shitty part is, is that whenever I go there, I have to go back in the closet, which like I've got a 40 D like that's pretty hard for me to do, you know, like, like regardless of whatever I do of anything else, like you can't hide my chest, you know? So it's like, I don't know if she notices it or not, but every time I'm there, she like says some like vaguely transphobic stuff, not outright, but she like does it under her breath. And I'm like, you know, now I have a tattoo of the trans symbol on my wrist. Like, if she was just, like, questioning it, like, what's she going to think when she sees that? Because I can't hide that, you know? She's already going to hate me because I'm Jewish. <laughs> what about this? Like, I think my, what if I go and see her now, I honestly think that the heart attack that she gets from seeing her, like, <laughs> communist, like, <laughs> Jewish, you know, transgender granddaughter is going to finally be the one that kills her. Yeah. I'm but, just worried. It's like, probably going to give her another five years. I think that seems like enough hate, <laughs> hate fuel like it's wild. to keep the old ticker running. It is. I mean, gas I, her up, baby. I have to, I have to say that like, uh, <laughs> it, it's wild. You don't, to me, at least from here, seem like a person that is like, like, uh, I, I understand that you're like worried about your, your, you're you're worried about the way they would react and that they want you to go back in the closet. But like, uh, it, it, I feel like you seem like a person who's like very at peace with the fact that there are elements in your family that don't agree with, with like your transition and that, you know, you're kind of like, ah, eh, you know, this bullshit, you know, this, this person doesn't know what they're talking oh, yeah. about. And like, yeah. I, I, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, I'm, I just turned 25, but you should know better than never ask a woman how old she is. Well, I had to ask. Ryan's very bad. He's not a charmer. And and, yeah, right. I've been married for 19, for almost 20 years. Uh, But anyway, I, uh, I I have to say that like when I was your age, I was still kind of trying to make it work with, with my family 
And uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I, I don't think it was until I was like, I don't know, 35 years old before I, I just said like, you know what? If they don't like what I do, if they don't agree with what I do, then fuck them. You know, I'll see them around yeah. the holidays and I'll do what I want to do. And yeah. I think there is an impulse. Oh, absolutely. I think there is an impulse in people in their twenties to to you you really do love your grandmother and you want it to work, but like, but like uh, you know, it, it, it's really refreshing to hear that like you're not like that that it's not like I I don't know it, to me it sounds like you're at peace you. with it yeah. and it's not stopping you from doing oh, yeah. anything and and I I that's really cool to me because I had I no, really I, I really had. I, w- I want to say, like, I had some real hangups with, like, my parents where it was sort of like uh, they didn't approve of the things that I, I had decided I was going to do at that time where I was like, you know what, I got to I got to do something that that they think is cool. I got the roofing job because I thought they would be like, he's finally doing real work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, I, I just I, I think, you know after so this year when you go do you think are you are, are you gonna go for thanksgiving and christmas um i won't be there for thanksgiving because i'm all the way on the other side of the country but um for christmas it's a possibility that they could go down but no you're absolutely right uh i think i really don't care what these people think anymore um, one of the, one of my family members, like this is the general misogyny on my dad's side of the family, like in general, yeah, right? In the and, world. You know, good old ca- Catholic boy kind of crap. And, you know, well, I have a cousin, you know, and uh, she's the only female cousin that I have out of like, you know, um, the, the four other ones on the side of my, on that side of my family. And, like, they just constantly, I remember all the time they used to, like, constantly harass her as a kid, including my grandmother, who, like, just fought in hard to, like, the patriarchy. Um, and uh, she's like, oh, I want to teach English abroad. I want to go to school. I want to get, like, a doctorate degree, right? And she had all these dreams. Every time she would say something, one of her cousins, uh, usually, like, my cousin Stephen, um, who was an absolute shithead and still is, um, will like be like no you don't you're an idiot why would you like this general like trying to like domesticate his own fucking cousin yeah it was gross and it still happened but it's yeah. like no i don't care i will fight these people i do i don't care yeah. i really don't uh my brother tried to get in a fight uh for me on my behalf once with my other side of the family my mom's wife's family uh because he threatened this guy on my mom's side of the family threatened to kill me Wow. For being trans. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, he was drunk. He was he was drunk as fuck when he did it, but he was still threatening to kill me. Yeah. You got and I love my brother, but I, yeah, Sometimes. I can I can fight for myself. Sure. Um, you know, love my brother, but uh, you know, but see, with with my dad's side of the family, I don't see them that often anymore. And when I do, it's exactly like you said, Brian. Like I genuinely like don't care and i will say i don't love my grandmother on my on my dad's side i really don't i have a very distant relationship i love that hey that's me yeah be honest be open about it you know they're not they're not all angels they don't they don't all go to heaven not all yeah not all grandmas and grandpas are angels is the best we need to make a shirt that said not like not all grandmas and grandpas are angels 
It's okay to hate your grandma. Yeah, we'll do a. Um, we'll just do a. No. Gra- we'll grandmas and grandpas burning in hell shirt. Okay. Yeah, your grandma oh, yes. and grandpa yes. might burn in hell. <laughs> yes, please. I, I mean, wear the shit out of that. I mind oh it. Mine technically, oh, mine some is. people's grandparents are going to burn in hell. I don't know if any of mine are going to burn in hell. I don't know if they were all that bad. But, like, there's a chance that, like, yeah. just in the numbers of people burning in hell, like, some of our listeners' grandparents are going to burn in hell. Yeah, the possibility you know? is out there. A, a group of monkeys Absolutely, will write but... Shakespeare eventually, right? Yeah. So, yeah. some yeah. Grammy and Grampies well, are Jew, burning forever. So... I'm a Jew, so I don't necessarily believe in hell, oh, but sorry. they do, so fuck them. Yeah. I mean, I don't, but... Yeah, I, they signed up for the deal. Yeah. They're they, going to find out, like, up, they yeah. get to go to like, hell. You weren't supposed to be that judgy. Like, that was me. I w- I'm the one that does the judging. Like, you took way too much discretionary authority on that. See, that that's a good, funny way. Like, I wish they would. I wish, like, all these Trump-type people and all these people that are, like... Like people that are are transphobic and homophobic and 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 stuff end up like there really is a heaven and they get there and they get to like the pearly gates and Saint Peter just looks at him and was like ah I'm the one that, like Jesus is the guy that does the judging I don't actually judge you're gonna have to go to hell for being too judgy I'm sorry <laughs> and then they have to go to hell and then like somebody like me who like his whole life has made fun of Jesus <laughs> gets to just stroll right in because I'm nice to people because you didn't try to do his job yeah <laughs> yeah all right this, well, is, this th- is the last uh, okay. this is the last thing I just wanted to say um you talked about comedians earlier on briefly. I just want to point out, isn't it funny how every like white conservative reactionary comedian is like, I'm oppressed. I'm, you know, I can't say what I want to say anymore. The PC police are after me. And then you look on Netflix and there's like 10 categories that are just exactly all those people. I mean, with the exact same thing, saying the exact same thing for like getting tens of millions of dollars to do it. It's it's like it's a market now. They don't actually believe that. Yeah, I think, I don't think, I think so. it's I think it's perfect too. I mean, I think it, it it just reveals them to be like throwing a temper tantrum on their own. Like any outside observer Absolutely. is just as like, all right, y'all are rolling on on the ground and saying that people are saying you can't do what you're doing, and there's been nobody that has stopped you at all. Like unless you are going to call ice on people, right? Like my Milo Yiannopoulos, mm-hmm. he got fucking he got told to not do his stuff because he was going to send people, he was going to call the ice on people. Uh, but, uh, going and just saying your bullshit, you know, misogynist comedy is not going to stop any, no one's going to go out there and, and take the time to shut you down. You know, it's the thing. Mm-hmm. They, they don't like the criticism. They don't like being, stuff. yeah, they, they don't, don't want to like, be criticized. You're right. I mean, you know, cause hey, it used to be popular as a right. person who does art. Go ahead. No, go ahead. As a person who does like a sort of art, like. I will say that I hate criticism, negative I criticism too. too. Of course, sucks. I would love to outlaw it. <laughs> but thanks for calling in, Haley. We have to uh, get on to the next one. We got a full queue. No worries. People have their own horrific stories. They just can't wait to unleash on us. I have a spooky. All right, t- have a good one. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks for calling uh, one of our best mods ever and legend of the Street Fighters group, Aww. Haley. Uh, oh, I was. I thought I dropped you already. I wasn't want you to hear that. I don't ever do that to someone's face. <laughs> I just compliment people behind their back. Um uh but uh I have I think I'm going to close with my horrific I have a I have a horrific story for the end of this show that I've never told on air before. Uh but I'm going to have to work it out uh during the break, but uh, I mean I've heard gonna- 
a lot of good horrific Brett stories. So I have the one. Always there's, exciting. There's a famous one. Well, there's a really good one about beer that I tend to find one of my favorite okay. stories of all time. You know which one I'm talking about? One Oktoberfest? The the jury room? No. The the restaurant. Oh the no, that's room, not when one. you went nope. to go get Italian food. One your, more than that with your dad. Yeah. So Brett goes to get a. I gotta say it. Brett goes to get Italian food with his dad, and they they bring him the beer list, and it's all local Columbus and Ohio beers. Yeah. And it's like, you got, got what do you say? My dad goes, Ugh. you got. Anything? He's like, would anybody like a drink, a beer, or anything? He's just, Ugh. you got anything domestic? <laughs> and he's like, uh, the guy's like, uh, well, actually, most of the breweries we have are within 20 miles of the restaurant. <laughs> and he's like, no, like a Budweiser. And he's like, no, we don't have Budweiser. And my dad is just like slams the fucking menu down and looks away from the guy. <laughs> Mad for the rest of the Mad dinner. Because the beers all come. It's a, Oh, no. It's still, even if it's from Ohio, it's a name I don't recognize. So it's foreign beer. Yeah, that's a foreign beer. <laughs> Yeah, foreign to me because I've never seen the name before. No, I have even one better than that. Let's no, I, see who's I on that way. Let's see who's on the line here next. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Howdy doody. Skeletons on the rise. It's Halloween, dude. Or zombies you know. running through. Hello, is it me? Yes. yes. You. What's up? A reanimated corpse. Uh, hey, this is uh, Evan from Cincinnati. What's up, Evan? How are you tonight? Uh, not bad, not bad. So I've got a kind of a corporate horror story to tell. Okay. Ooh, spooky. Okay, I'm scared of those. Ooh, I'm too. scared yeah. too. I don't. I'm shaking my boots. <laughs> I'm nervous about corporations. <laughs> so I've got. I work in the. I'm in the software development industry, right? So one of the big things in our industry is we've got to deal with. Uh, one of the big things is that a lot of people get classified as contractors. Who probably shouldn't be. Okay, I'd love to. And, I'd love to get figure out how I can do that. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the big security things that they're rolling out right now is that they're making everybody wear different colored lanyards based on who you are. Like, if you're a real employee, like I fortunately am. If you're a contractor, you get a different colored lanyard, and it's a whole thing because That's so like fucked up. The people who do, the people who do essentially the same job that I do, just get marked differently. Like, like they were the construction contractors that are on site. Which, and it's just do they make like, and and they probably, and I don't know this for sure, but they probably make like ten dollars an hour less. <laughs> you know what I like? Contractors, like the thing about like the thing that bums me out about contractors a lot is number one. You're right. The lanyard thing and and the uh, ID badge, they always give you like a generic ID badge thing. And then number two, mm-hmm. they always pay you ten dollars less an hour than the reg than like the salaried employees. I mean, if if it's uh, is is that like do they pay them less? <laughs> Someone in the chat said it's like the I'm, karate belt system. It is. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually. I don't actually know that we as a company pay them less, but uh, 
that might be more that we pay the contracting firm the same amount and then the contracting uh, firm pays them slightly less. Yeah, that's true. That's usually that's the exactly get down. It. Yeah. And they'll also like pay you like a lot of a lot, but it'll be contract. So it's like you also you have to you're right. supposed to set aside one third of what you get to pay in taxes at the end of the year. But who the hell yeah. ever yeah. does imagine that? that? Imagine like I always think about people with savings accounts and I'm like, imagine like having the the the, the bravery to have a savings account and well, not get paid uh-huh. on Thursday and then on Sunday have one hundred and forty dollars in the bank. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you do you do are you do like get nervous if you have money like it has to be spent. Like I feel like you're uncomfortable having money, so you figure out a way to spend it as fast as oh, possible. I, I went shopping. <laughs> I went. My wife got paid on Thursday, and I went shopping. And I believe bought that two pairs of sweatpants and three shirts because I'm going on tour soon, and I need clothes. I have to wear a different shirt on stage every single time where I feel like I, a loser. The taxes I checked into is that we have to buy clothes that you can't can't be reasonable everyday wear. So I think the more outlandish we get with our outfits, then we can start writing them off. Like if we if we get like that sequins like a Jonathan Davis tracksuit made for you, I feel like that's a tax write off. If you get that made for me, that would be the best day. I mean, there is somebody that has offered to do that for me. Okay, well, yeah, because I need some costume clothes. I need I need to talk to like um, I need to talk to someone that can take like an old Louis Vuitton jacket and cut it up into something new. You I know? need to talk to somebody who can take Dapper Dan. I'd like to hire Dapper Dan to do our. St- I need to talk so to we can somebody write it off. who can take a purple Adidas tracksuit and put purple. Um, Mermaid sequence. Purple sequence. You need like mermaid sequence. Yeah. Chroma color. Just looking Multi-chrome. good. Multi-chrome. Just looking so good. Oh my god. Sorry, Sorry. We just derailed his call. Well, yeah. I mean, he he got me thinking about <laughs> like because he got me thinking about contractors. I'm like, can Street Fight start doing contract work for the government and just like do a bad job and make huh? money at it? Like, <laughs> I'm figuring out our no, scams. Oh good. Are people mean to them? Yeah. Like, do the do do I, I know you're not, right? I, I know you're probably nice to the contractors, but like, is it like when I was a temp and you would sometimes catch the people that actually work for the company being like, fucking temps. I hate these fucking temps. I mean, <laughs> so people typically the like the developers aren't like I am, but like it's they've got all kinds of weird restrictions. Like they can't go to the the company pick the department picnic or whatever. And it's just a bunch of arbitrary nonsense. Uh, yeah, that's just so uh, mean. That's it's what mean. it's meanness. Like it's it mean just, as hell. That's how you make people feel like the in group. Like everybody <laughs> on top is like, well, we yeah. get to, we get to go to King's Dominion. You know, the, the contractors don't even get that. You know. Oh, and this, he's in right. Cincinnati. So oh, you're in Cincinnati, King's Island. King's Island he sorry, he probably does go to King's Island, yep. and then they can't. Oh like, my god. <laughs> he actually do go to King's Island, and I. I'm not sure if contractors get to go to King's Island. This contractors just storm, storm the fucking gates with like a bunch of wrenches and just beat this shit out of everybody. Hey, yeah. Tell, <laughs> let us know the next just time tear the down company all the... picnic is, and me and Brad are putting up a GoFundMe We're gonna so agitate. the contractors can show up <laughs> at King's Island and ruin all the employees' day. Yeah, we want to buy we want to buy <laughs> tickets for all the contractors <laughs> yeah. when that picnic happens. Give them like give them like forty dollars for food. Yes, and just let them go there and just be like, yeah. just go stand there and fucking stare at them while they're sitting in their little tent We're, eating their cheeseburger. We'll show up. We'll spend money to get the big big 
big prizes and we're going to hand them out to contractors <laughs> yeah. so that then when they ride the racer, like they're not their their partner on the racer is just going to be a giant like stuffed animal instead of a person. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about contractors like something I've noticed recently is that like there are so many cars with the Lyft and Uber stickers on them now where it's like every like fourth car is a Lyft or an Uber. And to me, that is like really depressing. <laughs> I mean, people are still talking about it like it's a get down, like it's it's something to do. Like, you know, it's not. It's I did it. Well, I mean, I'm dumb and I don't know how to do things, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the you're guy better at you're better at spending money than making money. <laughs> Great at that though. I'm so good at it. I got these terry cloth sweatpants <laughs> that I'm wearing right now. Sure. I, uh, today I was taking a walk and a teen stopped me and told me he liked my hoodie. Ooh, that was wow, badass. <laughs> I bet a, a few like, wrinkles probably like tightened up. Yeah, I bet I you almost stopped and him. said, "Do you want to like be my friend?" But He's he like, was, "You want to go skate, man? You want to go get some slushies <laughs> and skate?" Forty-year-old <laughs> man, a fucking forty-year-old man's walking down the street. And a teenager stops him to tell him they like his shirt. Yeah, and he's proud of it. Yeah, and I am proud of it. Oh, for sure. It's a you look younger already. Like it's you a, look a lot cooler. It's a cool shirt. Yeah, I can see that that kid bestowed something upon you. Some oh, youthful energy. You I have know. a little bit more spry when you came over here. You know, and they think this shirt's like eight hundred bucks. I know they don't. That's know. the thing. They're they don't stupid. know that this is was one hundred and thirty five dollars, which is a a hundred percent ridiculous, a amount normal of money. amount of money to spend on ridiculous a amount. Of I money. spend a hundred dollars on a hoodie every year for okay. the American Giant. That's true. Thirty five more dollars. Right. And it's and you also you and also a teenager stops me and tells me it's cool and you're so toxically masculine that you won't wear a coat so you just wear you just wear a hoodie you're just a hoodie guy it's not masculinity yeah that you should doesn't have a make me wear the coat it's, it is it, it's it's uh it's uh cable guy conditioning you run too hot well what it is is when I was a cable guy because your job involves going in and out of a house during the winter it's very hot. Or it's very cold outside, so it, you know. Let's let's put the temperature at twenty eight degrees. It's twenty eight degrees outside, seventy four degrees in a lot of people's houses. You're in and out, and I always found that like the best way to keep yourself warm is to sort of just like layer over your core, and then like you'll be fine. Your mm -hmm. arms, mm -hmm. your your extremities will get cold, but once you get moving, they'll they'll stay warm. So like. I always, even when I worked at the cable company, even when it was 10 degrees, I just wore like two layers and a hoodie and then my bibs. And then I put the bibs on the Carhartt bibs. And that's like how I always going to walk in bibs this winter. I should get some. That would I be love cool. those things, man. Definitely. I loved bibs. Uh, they never buy coveralls. If you're a worker out there, if you're a blue collar worker, maybe this is your first year on the job and you're working outside. Don't get oh, coveralls. Get bibs. Okay. okay. Solid like advice. Solid advice for you because well, the coveralls are too hot. All right. Well, you can't take them off. Right. 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 You know, it's important advice, and people don't know. <laughs> they really don't. I know. Never get coveralls. <laughs> that's just. And that's uh, your Carhartt should your Carhartt should only be bought at the grocery store. Otherwise, it's Fugazi. Also, uh, the the black bibs are better looking than the brown. Yeah, but I did wear the brown no, too. I wore brown, but most of the time when I could buy my own, because they gave them to you at the cable company, so they gave you brown. They didn't give you a choice. They also gave you shorts, but I never wore the shorts because sh I don't know why every business when they give you shorts gives you short shorts. <laughs> okay, like those short khaki shorts. Yeah, I don't wear shorts that come 
above the knee. Okay. But every job I've ever had where they give you uniform, they give you shorts, and I'm gonna stand up and show Brett. And they always like come up to like right here. Yeah, I like that length. I that's good for me. That's like, like that's, I call that the action length. That's like when you can really stretch and bend and do something that's in a like pair of shorts. That's like the length where people can see your dick and balls sometimes. And if that's, you like, I like that too. Okay, you're. An we're talking, you know. Yes, that's you do have to put it out there sometimes. Yeah, I don't want my DMB hanging out just because uh, I'm wearing short shorts. I would never wear short shorts. It's now also, it's the gimmick. You can just hike up the inside of your leg and just pee all over the ground whenever you want. So gross, dude. Yeah, it's just effective. You just it's pee just, it out of fun, the it's, bottom. It's of your functional. Leg. It's not as fashionable, but it is functional. It's a big dick move to pee out of the bottom of your shorts. <laughs> you never you yanked never it out the bottom like the that. Shorts down? Yeah, yeah. That's a big dick move. I, That's like I when you're like that. running away from the cops and you have to pee or something. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> a, a BDM right there. All right, Big dick move. Well, uh, thanks for calling. <laughs> did you have any? Did I cut you off? Did you have some? Do you, you have anything else you wanted to get in? We've got a few people in the queue here. We're sick. Uh, not really. Uh, we appreciate guess, the call. Like they, they're kind of forcing this change on me in like four days. So I've only got a few days to continue my weak protest of not getting a lanyard yet. <laughs> I did any, any way I we can help. Lot. If you come up with some sort of scheme, we can we'll we'll do we'll see what we can do. I did a lot of uh nah, they'll pr they probably just they probably just won't let me in the building anymore after that. Right. Right. I did a lot of resistance when I worked that was like just like totally counterproductive to like my job. Yeah. Where it was like, this would make my you know what? This would make my day easier. But you know what? There other people are being oppressed, so I'm gonna <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I was the same way. It's smart. Hey, yeah. uh, thanks for having solidarity with your co fellow contract workers. Yes. Peace <laughs> out. So far, so good. Golly. The, the contractor thing drives me crazy. And like, I would, I, I, I do feel bad when they treat them. Like, I just feel like there's no real good reason to treat them differently that way. You know what I mean? I like, mean, there's no, like, there's no, like, uh, I don't think there's any really good. You're, you're thinking that, but you're, 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 you're like prioritizing the right, the wrong stuff. Like in order to have a cohesive group of people that could work together and cooperate and feel like they can all like succeed together. Like that's what you're gunning for. They're looking for like strict meritocracy. They're looking for levels so that some people they want some people to feel left out. They want some people to be like lesser than. That's important, you know. That's an important I, part of our whole society. Is I, that I, we I have lesser thans. Of, I never even thought of that. Like I, I, I guess like I mean I've thought of it. I know that like some pe we have a thing set up where it's like some people have to feel better than other people. But I just it's that's depressing. I, I know guess. it is. I mean, it's 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 bad behavior. And I, I mean, if you did point it out, it's like you're literally color. Are you color coding people? Seriously? Like who's <laughs> more worthy than somebody else? You yeah. know, why these why can't these people get ride um, the beast? I mean, for fuck's sakes, they do a lot of work. Oh, and the fact that it's King's Island just made me more I know. mad because it's like if they took you to a place like Bob Evans Farm, which is another place that the they do Rio a lot of Grand work Ohio. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I don't give a rat's ass about. Like I never yeah. went to Bob Evans Farm because Kings like, Island. What are we gonna do? Play like cornhole or something? Kings Island is a completely different thing. King it's like a a good place to be. Kings Island is an amusement park that is the classic 
like if your parent worked for a bank, if your parent worked for any of the big buildings downtown, they got to go once a year to do the picnic. And that has been stripped away as more people become contractors so that he, that they're still getting the King's Island benefit in 2019 means that's like a robust package because they cut that shit ages ago for every fucking job. Yeah, my wife doesn't get King's Island. No, it used to be all the time. They would show you they'd have a bagged lunch waiting for you with a a soft cooler bag with the company's name on the side to take home. Yeah, don't give you shit. You, You know, you have a really good point, like that the company picnic that like we had growing up that like my stepmom worked at Nationwide Insurance and uh, they would fucking have their employee picnics at Kings Island, Cedar Point, Wyandotte Lake was a water park that was here in town. And like my wife has works at a, a major corporation and has for 20 years. And like, it's the same job that was going on back then. Exactly. Pretty much the same Just job. And we don't ever push her go to like a place. Yeah. Like a big cool place for a company picnic. And you know, my job doesn't have company picnic. So Yeah, we like, need to do a company picnic. Let's do a fucking company picnic. Dude. That's a good idea. King's Island. Okay. I will I will uh be afraid of all the rides while you guys go and ride them. Be a big, great to, company we'll make picnic. a list of everybody we paid this year for like the zine or for like a guest appearance and we'll invite them uh to there because they'll have to be the we have need like a we have to get a group discount we're going to need like a lot of people okay okay big street fight moderators yeah everybody that works for street fight we're gonna get like company picnic at king's island yeah island we're gonna everyone's going to sneak in one contractor yeah it's one podcast contractor yeah and save your money because we're not going to get you to king's island we'll just buy your ticket to get into king's island okay We can't afford to fly people. No, to but we'll, no, we'll, no, but we. I will set up. A, we'll coordinate people to get there. And okay, totally company real thing picnic gonna happen. coming oh, soon. Up next, we got a V for Vendetta calling. This is an anonymous, so we'll see what V has to say here. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, how you doing? This is Nick. What's hey, up, Nick? Nick? How's it going? Remember, remember the fifth of November. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, what's going on tonight, Nick? Yeah, I don't. Uh. I got a bit of a family story, I guess, for you that that a lot of people like me to talk about sometimes. Okay. But, uh, I'm not going to say it's too interesting, but some people find it interesting, I guess. <clears throat> okay, go for okay, it. Okay, so, all right, sure. Uh, well, basically, I was I was adopted, and so were both of my siblings, my sisters, and as well as my brother. Excuse me. Um, I grew up in a military town. In a very Catholic family. Um, this so, is going to be a horrific story, it seems, already. Uh, so far, you've set me up. This seems like it's going to be as good as The uh, Witch. Man, I'm scared, man. It's going to be a letdown. I don't think it's as cool as the last couple colors. Gotcha. <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but but anyway, my, uh, my, my oldest sister, um, uh, she gets pregnant in, in high school. And... You know, it's that's not that doesn't happen. That's not allowed. Yeah, that's yeah, bad. you can't do that. <laughs> right, no, you're supposed to be abstinence so, uh, or do it in the butt. Well, that's like oh, sorry, only, abstinence or do it in the oh, butt yeah. is the options from Catholics that I've always yeah. known. Yeah, Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, my my oldest sister, my mother, they they move across the state lines while she's pregnant 
so she can have this fucking baby because it would just bring such a stain upon the family that oh that a teenage god. girl <laughs> oh my god had sex and, and, and yeah yeah no one can uh, know right yeah so uh so anyway th- this this little baby's born and uh uh and then like 35 years later, they tell the baby, oh, by the way, it, it's you, which is me, because I was adopted into this family too. And my oldest sister through adoption is actually my biological mother. And of course, nobody could fucking say a word uh, or like our parents would lose their, their mind. Because- Dude, that's a, you got a horrific story going. <laughs> I, that is why. Are you <laughs> well, serious? I'm glad. And they- yeah, yeah, I'm for real. And they told me, like, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't remember this, but I guess, like, when my my biological mother would, like, pick me up from the crib and stuff, our adopted mother would flip the fuck out because she didn't want me, like, bonding <laughs> with with her. Oh, I'm losing yeah, my mind over it's, here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. So, uh, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. That's pretty much. <laughs> that's old school. I mean, that's just uh, how things were handled. Uh, like that is such a weird thing. I have, uh, there's a, there's a, a, someone in my family that, uh, killed somebody in a drunk driving accident and they were literally just told to like leave town. And so they moved away and just live in California now and like had to make a new life. And it was just before, before things were so documented, there was a lot of very fucking hairy situations going on. Yeah, you know, like I said, I grew up in a military town, and like I don't know how many of these dudes I knew, who who were like buddies of mine and stuff, who were like, I really don't want to be in the army, but I didn't have a fucking choice. I was either going to go to jail or I had to join the military. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know their backstories, but but yeah, uh, and I know that shit doesn't happen anymore. You can't just join the military to get out of <laughs> going to prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, did. I know I I I, I worked with plenty of those guys. Yeah, I knew a lot of those guys, and like I did, like my mom like moved to moved to Oklahoma after like f- fucking some stuff up at home, and was just like, I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> and like I always think about like how like does everybody have somebody in their family that had to like cross state lines to get away from something, you know, it's very, com- it's way more common than you think. You know? Oh I, yeah. I figure, I mean, that's the whole state of Florida is that pretty much people getting away. <laughs> uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, that, that was really good. Brett. Yeah. That was a fucking spooky tale. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, it made me that was scared. a great fucking turn of events there. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for calling. I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah, we loved it. Have a great night. Sorry, I hope they misfortune. We, I mean, we loved, we loved it, but we don't love that. Yeah, yeah. It's a sad. Like I've always said, that tragedy just really just makes me laugh. And uh, you know, that is like that's it. That is just such a fucking wild thing to grow up and then have somebody lay that on you. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I thought it was weird. I like really found it weird that like uh, even with my mom was like kind of like like she was just gone, 
And like I would, I went a couple times to visit her, but that was really like the only times I saw her. Like we, we just, it kind of was like a, a thing where she was just like. But like, imagine, but you're in a family. Like that's the thing. I guess this is what this is the this is the thing about the dysfunctional family is that people will just go along with the narrative. Like it gets too long. It gets to be ten years in, and you're like, oh, nobody told him that. Like that's actually his mom. You know, and then it gets to be 20 years in and you're like, ah, we definitely can't say it. You know, we should have said something 19 years ago. We should have said something <laughs> 10 years ago. We can't say anything, man. You know, and, and then you get the, 30 the, fucking years into the lie. And it's like, you know, you feel like, I don't know what to do. I'm feeling guilty as shit about this now. You know, I have like sort of a theory on that, like that, that there are like kind of two types of like human relationships. Right. And one of them is there, there are like two types of ways that people deal with conflict in their life right it's like so there are people my katie is like this where it's like when conflict happens you shut down you sit down you cool out in your mind and then you're done you know like there there doesn't need to be a conversation it just has to cool out and then there are people you just hit like a shock wave hits you and then you take it in and then you just keep rolling yeah and then there are people who uh have to clear the air they're like i i i and i'm one of those and you're one of those actually it's why we work so well together is that like when conflict happens i feel that the only way the only way to get over that conflict is to have the fucking conversation. Yeah. Whether it's an uncomfortable fight, whether it's a misunderstanding between two people. And, you know, 90% of the time, it's a misunderstanding between two people yeah. and nobody's trying to hurt anybody. No. And then that 10% of the time, yes, we're fighting. And, yeah. But that you just get You get over it. it. Yeah, you know? it doesn't affect you. It doesn't kill you or, you know, it doesn't affect the rest of your life. But I think people, especially boomers, I think most of them deal with things push it down silently catholics and too just i'm not like i'm not gonna fucking talk yeah i'm not i'll talk to you when i'm ready you know and and let's just move past the. you know what i'm saying like that's kind of the the thing and like I, i'm not that way but i i well for me i think and especially for men uh definitely the way of doing things was to push things deep down inside and not have any emotions at all and that was expected and that's part of the misery thing it's like you know what I would love to speak up about how, like, I ended up in a shitty situation. I would like to speak up about how this is fucked up. I would like to do something else, but I can't. So, therefore, anybody else that has a fucked up situation, I have no no empathy for them <laughs> at all because I, I'm living in the shit, too. I'm miserable as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, we, you know, it, it's like a really good, like. The, the example uh, um, of Opie and Anthony where they hated each other from 2001 and then they worked together for 15 years yeah. and never had the conversation. Yeah. And just it kills you. They, like, sort poisonous. Of, yeah. They sat in the same room and hated each other and did a thing together. And like, I find that to be a very unhealthy way to deal with conflict. But they don't want to say they're hurt. They don't want to say to it. They don't want to look at another guy and say, like, what you said to me made me feel bad or like I, that. It really hurt my feelings that way this happened or, you know, I felt like I wasn't included, you know, or I felt like I wasn't thought about like to them. That's woman shit, you know, like right. to be the worst. I mean, to get into the shocktober lingo, it's just, uh, you know, the the old style of masculinity, the old style, the patriarchy. I mean, that's what it is. The patriarchy of all of this Catholic bullshit of covering things up 
pushing things down and having family secrets. I mean, family secrets are just a, such a stupid thing to have mm-hmm. at, at all, you know? know, because if once you get over it, it's like it's way better. Things things exist afterwards, too. It doesn't end the world. The world doesn't end after the secret's revealed, you know? Right. I don't like conflict either. I, I want right. to clarify That's- this, that, like, I don't like conflict and generally try to avoid conflict. But I feel that the only way to to solve a problem that is, like, maybe resentment between two people if it's or in some your- kind of a problem is the the if the conflict happens, it it is going to be over with. Yeah, when the conflict's over, you know, well, and I, that's what I think. Well, and I, you know, and I have to say, talking about horror stories and stuff, like I spent a lot of my childhood being absolutely afraid of going out to eat um, because my parents were constantly screaming and yelling at the help, like like the the people that were like cooking, cleaning, doing the dishes, any of that stuff, like any of the service people were just treated like garbage, you know, uh, and like. When I got older, I got to be super pacifist. I tried to be like so hippy dippy that like anybody could walk all over me, but that's totally not the way to be, you know, like you have to advocate for yourself in those situations, but like they completely fuck it up. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's get one more in and then we'll take our break. One more to go. Music too. Oh shit. Okay. Thanks for calling street fight. Who are we talking to tonight? What's up, guys? Eugene Debs. How you doing? Hey, What's buddy. Up, Eugene How's it going? Deb, the Eugene Debs? The, yes, the Ohio, the Ohio born and bred. From, yeah. Yeah, the Ohio, the Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's going on, Eugene? Yes. Oh, man, it's been, it's been a while. I'd call in and uh, say what's up. Um, I uh, have a pretty decent, uh, first of all, that, that story about, um, Finding out that like your sisters, your mom, or I, I think that's what that was. I mean, it's like, even. That he, sorry, go ahead. It, it, no, they they were like, oh, I don't know if this story is going to live up. Exactly. To, like, the previous callers. That's fucking horrific. That fucking that's blew dude, my mind. Like, the fact that they were like, oh, I don't really have a good story except for that I was lied about my mom the whole for thirty five years of my life. It's like, oh, well, I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty spooky tale. That's pretty spooky tale. <laughs> Oh it, yeah, it's 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 yeah, we're fine. I mean, I yeah, he should you should. I don't know. Maybe he's just chiller than I am, but uh, that, <laughs> I that anger. You know what I, I mean? think when something, <laughs> but, but I think like we do as people, you have to neutralize it. But as people, we adjust to every situation. It's one of the things that kept me from like doing a podcast for so long is that I thought I was just like a totally normal guy. There was no reason that anybody would want to listen to me talk. Cause I am the like absolute most normal human being in the world. And it took, but basically took Brett being like, you're, you're like really not normal for me to be like, to like kind of lean into it and understand that I had something to bring. And yeah, I, I mean, not so many people are as performative and dramatic when they, you know, tell a story. Right. Right. But I, I think like, so like if, if that happens to you, right. And you find out yeah. about it, you have to figure out a way to live the rest of your life with yeah. it anyway. So you might as well just accept it as the norm. You're, I'm normal. My, I'm the fucking normal one. The rest of the yes. world's crazy. That's okay? what I. I do agree. I, I said I. I do in my in my opinion. I see the world like with familial dysfunction and stuff. In that, like, there is like this bifurcation point. There's like this extreme chaos, and you either like you just wade into it like you just become a dysfunctional person that 
figures out dysfunctional things to keep your life rolling or like you just sidestep it and get this like third person omnipresent perspective where you're like okay this is not a fucking normal situation at all you know mm-hmm. like you 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 like you get you know you told that you get told that you know the person that you thought was your sister was your mom and you have to neutralize it and make it make sense and just keep rolling otherwise you just you know roll into the dramatic jerry springer version of everything you know yeah I just I I no you're you're actually go ahead go ahead no I uh, I'm just saying like I I am very much a like you just I I'm very much like think that a healthy way to look at the world I think this is a healthy way to look at the world and it's that like I and I think it's the way I think a lot of people look at things that way where you're like I I'm normal I don't know why everything else is so fucking I think weird. that's bad because you're gonna you, pull your, so? you play yourself every yeah. time you say that to I yourself. mean I feel like it helps me you play yourself too. with the anxiety it helps me with anxiety and stuff though to be like no I'm like that's that like when somebody says that something I when somebody thinks I'm weird I'm like, that's on them, man. That's because they're weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I try to uh, deal with it okay. in that way, I guess. I okay. guess that's a, a way I deal with things. But I I do. I, I try to make the world around me as normal as, as, as I possibly, or what I perceive to be normal, which is probably just some amalgamation of things I've seen on TV and fantasized about in my head my whole life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, this is uh, this is not why I called, but this conversation definitely got me uh, thinking about a little public service announcement. Um, I mean, you're you guys are right. Um, you know, you like I my I guess my childhood was pretty dysfunctional, and then I got into a pretty and got into a pretty dis- dysfunctional marriage. My life was dysfunctional because you know I married somebody who reflected my um, you know my my parents' behavior growing up, and my uh, my life was pretty dysfunctional. It wasn't mm-hmm. really until I I got away from that. That um, you know, my life, I, I was able to kind of like move on and like be an adult and like you know, you, you find somebody who has like a normal, normal functioning family and a normal functioning life, and it's just like this whole like whole new world. So, well, some of that you, some of that you there. can engage with without like having to use like tricks or like these really like you know, right. horrible ways of engaging right. with people. Some of that you can be honest with and uh, feel fulfilled and not have like them do something that uh quiets that or or shuts it off yeah you shouldn't have to be performing for the people that are closest to you right yeah absolutely you you, i mean you shouldn't yeah I, i honestly think for the people that are closest to you you shouldn't have to worry too much about the way you phrase things to them and and that like they're not like the way that I would talk to a person I don't know as well, where like I'm worried about the phrasing right. and and like the thing that makes me feel comfortable about the people that I'm closest to is that I can kind of just whatever it, it can come out any way it comes out. I can express myself to people in that way. And, and that's not a way. I mean, that's that's sort of like a benefit to me. And that like I do this for a living where uh, yeah, I can't just say the first thing that pops into my head. Like a lot of times, like like you know, beating back ugly thoughts, and like uh, you know, it, it's like I I have to phrase things the right way when I'm when I'm dealing when I'm in front of a microphone. I have to phrase things the right way. There's there's more leeway to make mistakes, in with the people that you're closest to, and I think like uh, 
you should feel comfortable around them. And I think a lot of people get into situations where they like get married or they, uh, 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 get in a relationship with somebody and, uh, they're dating and they are sort of playing a game with that person while they're dating. Like the, the way that they right. engage with them is like not a hundred percent the authentic version of themselves. And then they get married and they still can't be 100% the authentic version of themselves. And then it sets up an expectation where you will not, this is the person that I am. And then you get to a point in a relationship where you decide I can't be that person anymore. I need to be who I am authentically to myself. And that's how the relationships end up falling apart. Yeah. I think that's how like a lot of my friendships fell apart was just that. You know? I would, I, I would argue that, um, you know, especially if you get into a relationship young and you had a dysfunctional family life, you might not even know who you are authentically. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like you, you need, you need, to, you know what I mean? You need, you need a time to figure out, who you even are you know what i'm trying to say yeah but, uh, yeah i mean I, yeah. I i i do think that like getting married in your 20s is like i i think i hate to be like a traditional kind of person i guess this isn't very traditional but like i i think it would be wise to wait to wait until you're th in your 30s and like I, yeah. I didn't do that. Think, and yeah. I've been with the same woman since I was 19 years old and I'm 40 years old. Like I've been with my wife since I was 19 and I'm not like a genius about dating or anything, but even the, we didn't get married until I was 32, you know, because we were just kind of right. like, I don't like, who knows where this could go? You know what I mean? Like who knows if tomorrow I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. And, and like, uh, so we, we like, we held off for a very long time. And I, I think you can live together. You can have joint bank accounts. You can do all the stuff. The, the reason me and my wife got married is because I was about to lose health insurance and I, I needed health insurance, which I, I think like a, I, I think I read somewhere that like 40 to 60% of marriages are for health insurance, which is really depressing, but I guess it's a business deal. Anyway, it's always been that. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's always been a business deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually horrific. <laughs> you know, that's I mean, not, not your particular another horror story. But just like in general. <laughs> America is yeah, very yeah, scary. Yeah. That you, I mean, oh, you know, there were a few times cool. where, like, I I was like, my my mental health was sort of uh, failing me, or however you would phrase that. Um, my, but like, I would have. I, I would I was like really fucked up about working like my jobs like my jobs really messed me up as a person and like I would be miserable and I would have like these crazy panic attacks and these periods of anxiety that lasted for a very long time I still have them but it was like heavier anxiety at the time and uh, my wife would often try to talk me into quitting my job and then we would just get married and I would have her insurance but I was like really scared right. to do that. I was like terrified to do it and I didn't do it until like way later on in, in the process. <laughs> so it was right. like, uh, it, it was, it was like, uh, I, I think me and her, we sort of looked at marriage as a business agreement and that's like basically all it is, you know? It, it, I mean, I guess you can add magic and stuff to it, but it really is just like the government makes you do it so you can share insurance. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and that's the way I think of it, you know? I, I love my wife very much and everything, but I just don't feel like the marriage is like this very... I don't feel like marriage... My marriage is like the most important part of the thing. Like, I'm here by choice. I'm not here because of a contract or yeah. anything like that. And I, I just don't think... Well, they're... They they do it specifically because they 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 want to force marriage upon people. Yeah, and yeah. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean that that it, 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 they it, make it impossible it, to live without a fucking partner. They make it yeah. impossible to live in this world without another person. Right, right, and you know it just isn't it. It's this again, not what I call, it, but it, it it's fucked up because like it, like this, this traditional family structure is like built on like everyone like living on farms and having like eight kids we all raise <laughs> cows together or whatever you know and that's just not how anyone lives anymore so it's it's an outdated mode i mean i have a family so i mean whatever but like i mean where i like but it, it's it, it's it's just an outdated mode of 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 of, of living and they, they still are doing everything everything they can to socially engineer that structure upon everybody and it, it, it's garbage yeah, I I yeah. agree with you. I I sort of feel like uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of outdated. And uh, look, I choose to be in a relation right. like in what they would consider a traditional relationship. But like, uh, I don't think that everybody else should have to do that too. You know, like I think that like it right. shouldn't it shouldn't even be considered like traditional in a way. It, it should just be like. Well, this is one choice of a way to go about doing things, but there are many other choices of ways to go about doing things, and it shouldn't be looked down upon if you choose one of the other choices. You know, well, all three of us, all three of us do it, and it's probably partially because we've internalized like the dominant structures, right? I mean, we're well, all three married and have kids, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, what I always say to Brian is like, I signed up for like the man versus woman battle. <laughs> like, I signed up for that like regular old school like back and forth yeah. shit. Like, uh, that's it does like it is what I was steeped and born into. Uh, you know, there is a version of me that would have been different, you know, been born later in my life, but for now I'm, I'm pretty comfortable and I can make this work, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I guess I got a, it's, I have a conservative, not, I, I promise you it's not as good as the past couple. It doesn't have a surprise ending, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, a, uh... no one, I mean, <laughs> fucking, should we take more calls after? I mean, can anybody do better than... You know, my mom, my sister was my mom. <laughs> Sorry yeah, for this person. I, know. Well, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make this, I don't want to turn this person into, you know, whatever. Sorry, go ahead. No, I have a, um, I just, I, I have a, I have a brother-in-law who, um, I guess I, I, I worry about, you know, he's, uh, you know, my, my, my wife's family's from, uh, the, um, you know, uppity, uh, suburb of, of Cleveland. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an upper, upper middle class neighborhood. So, um, but it's like one of those areas where, you know, it, it, it's not like, you know, there you guys, like upper Arlington, like, like or Grandview or upper Arlington are like nice, but they have like liberal, you know, it, it, it's, it's still, they're still pretty liberal, like uh -huh. Pete Buttigieg style, uh, liberals. Right. Um, you know, it, it, this is like a little bit more of a far flung suburb and, uh, everyone's conservative and everyone, everyone, you know, grew up in this nice upper middle class suburb, but they think that they are you know, from the country or something like that. So they have this, like this, like, um, uh, like culturally they're, they're like from, they're like from the country, even though they're all rich kids. Right. Sure. And, uh, but they like Mossy and, Oak. 
Mossy Oak. You know, I'm not familiar with Mossy Oak. But that's the camo. Yeah. That's like the sure. real tree shit that everybody wears. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. I've seen a lot of those stickers recently. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, and, um, but so he, um, you know, despite, you know, a lot of advantages in life, he's, um, you know, 30 and still living with his parents and has a job, but it's a shit job and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and, and as, and it's just kind of really a stereotypical story where you have like this upper middle class white guy who's like, um, life hasn't gone the way he expects it to, so he's angry about it, right? right? Right. But since he has no like class analysis, he blames the wrong people, right? right? So he so he super reactionary and is blaming, you know, blames immigrants and this and you know, just just a stereotypical like stereotypical Trump Trump supporter, right? But he um, is also a terrible alcoholic and has like 18 guns, right? Yeah, so yeah. it just so it, it's a it's a combination that um, worries me. You know what I'm saying? Like you just have this guy who drinks too much, who's super aggrieved and super reactionary, and doesn't really have a lot to I mean live for. I guess like outside like his parents and my kids, you know, and, um, like his, 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 uh, nieces and, um, uh, like has a bunch of firearms and it's, um, I, there's not really much more to the story than that, but it's just like, you know, you have these people in your life where I can, maybe you guys have someone like this too, where it's just like, my God, if they just like, you know, you throw a little mental health issues in there and like, you know, this could be like an explosive situation, you know? Absolutely. I, I get to shoot guns with some of my relatives, but like the whole time I'm just like, what, there could be some weird thought that comes into it. Like the thing about the, the, why people are so afraid of guns is because when you're around them, you realize that like someone could just have a weird thought in their mind to point it at somebody and pull the trigger, you know, like there's just, oh, uh, yeah. and, and like, you know, we were just shooting him into the side of the hill. I really wasn't that afraid, but like it does, it, it does become a matter of like the person that I was shooting guns with had to go to anger management classes in their life before, you know, uh, like ordered from the, the fucking city and shit. So they also own like an assault shotgun, which was fucking amazing. to uh, It was incredible to shoot. It was like a resident evil goddamn gun. But, uh, but also it's like this person has fucking rage issues. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not an anti-gun person, you know. Of course. You know, no, no. Like Disarm yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, the, it's that, the particular mix that, you know, you start to get a little, start to get a little, start to get a little worried, you know what I mean? I know, it is but, like, it's, uh, I think it's, you know, for, I mean, we don't, like, uh, there's not a lot of fear mongering that like, you know, that I can think of that I have in my life, you know, but that is like one of my irrational fears is something like that. You know, you know, I, I, he's they're They're not going to do anything with those goddamn guns, but you just see the potential there for a bad situation, you know, and you just can't help but think yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's well, a scary, I, that's uh, a scary thought. You, you definitely bless us with a very scary thought. I'm going to be up all night. <laughs> You know what's funny, though, as a father, this is what, like, I feel like this makes me different from other people. As a father, um, probably once a day or, like, right before bed, I imagine someone breaking into the house 
or like some oh, Republican yep. that listens yep. to the show yep. or whatever it may be. But like yeah. every time I have that like thought, I just imagine the way that I would take them down and kill them. Like I've never lost in my mind. <laughs> I've never once like been afraid of dying. I've always figured out that like I would just pluck their eyeballs out of their fucking heads or turn it on them or do something so wild that it would just, you know, like I just never lose that battle. That that's like what that's that's like how I uh, avoid like the anxiety of thinking about that shit, I guess. Have you guys had this at your kids' schools? Um, like our schools here, they just had fucking active shooter drills, oh. which I just thought was just the most like disgusting shit. Yeah, like, we, we haven't and done they, like, it. We and ha- even were, they recruited kids. They recruited fucking kids to like be part of them. Like it was and to be like crisis school, actors. They had like what's that? To be a crisis actor. Yes, yes, they recruited like. 10 year olds to be fucking crisis actors. Well, it was, I actually had a moment where my heart skipped a beat this week where, uh, Charlotte was like, uh, uh, I had, uh, I had a drill this week. Uh, and it, my wife was like, yeah, what was the drill? And she was like, it was, uh, what was it? And I'm just like, oh, was it an active shooter drill? Like, I'm just like in my mind, I was just waiting for her, her little sweet face to say active shooter. You know, I, I've never seen her right. say those words in my life, but she was like running through of them. And then she was like, oh, it was a fire drill. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gwen's been through yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Gwen's we been talked, on lockdown. Yeah, we talked times. about them. Yeah, yeah. They've been on lockdown a few times. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's a common part of school these days. It's very spooky. It is. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is scary. All right. Thanks for calling, Eugene. We got to take a break. Yeah. I need to. I'm sweaty. Sorry, guys. Bye. All right. Yeah. We weren't kicking you out. Uh, I'm going to start. Oh, no, no. It's all good. Have fun. This is. uh, So this album is called Jack on. It's by Jack on Fire. It's called Waiting for the End of the World. And. uh, let me make sure everything's going here. We got sound. Okay, here we go. Congratulations, you were born. No one cares. But be forewarned. No one cares. Or you can pitch and moan and cry. No one cares. But you got to ask why. No one cares. Mommy wasn't there and daddy wasn't there. Yeah, your job, it sucks and you can't get fucked.
Buddies with Lena Dunham. everybody welcome back to street fight radio that was jack on fire with the album waiting for the end of the world if you want to hear more of that just go to jackonfiredc.bandcamp.com it's one of our listeners and if you have music for the show that won't get us kicked off our stream and you want to send it in streetfightradio at gmail.com is the best place to send those links dms work as well but you have a higher percentage of getting on the air if you just do the email route Thank you, Jack on Fire, for sending that in. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed the call-in show. It's been very horrific and spooky so far. I can't wait to get into the rest of this. Um, If you want to hear more of Street Fight Radio, we offer bonus content on Patreon. It's a place to support artists, patreon.com slash streetfightradio. There's some bonus audio coming out this week that's going to be really good, and uh, we're going to have the regular show going, uh, you know, We'll be back on schedule for a few weeks, but then we got to head hit the road with MDC. But thanks for uh, tuning in. Ready yeah, to do this? Yeah, we got to hit the road soon. For sure. I'm switching to uh, analog weed. I'm going to smoke a joint. All right. Well, I'm going to sit here and drink my last cherry bubbly and some water out of uh, my daughter's orthodontist uh, water bottle because I lost my very important water bottle. So. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see who's on the line. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, what's up? It's Jeff from New Orleans. What's hey, up, buddy. Jeff? How's it going, dude? I'm doing great. How are y'all? I'm okay. Good, please. How y'all been? Uh, pretty, pretty good. I mean, we we were gonna do the call-in show last week, but we decided just to do a regular show because I was exhausted. It was like the day after yeah. we got back into town, and it was kind of like that is a that's a tough move to make <laughs> after traveling for ten. I, we were gone for so long on that one, so. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we're gonna be home for four months. Well, I went out to Chicago. I went to Chicago for that time. It was it was pretty sweet because I went and checked out some of that teacher strike that's going on. Oh, you went to Chicago? Yeah, I went up there on Friday last week. Uh, participated in one of the big marches and met some really awesome people from the Chicago DSA. That, awesome. Yeah, the Chicago DSA is there's a lot of really cool people there. I mean, there's so many cool people in Chicago anyway. Like every time we go oh there, God. we get I to love, hang out. I love every person that I met in Chicago was so nice, except there's one like really weirdly anti-Semitic Polish landlord. Yeah, I mean, well, you have that. Yeah, you're gonna have that. I mean, mm-hmm. they do yell a lot more. In Chicago than than that's other cool. places Look, I've that's, been. That's pretty, 
straight up with people. Like if sometimes you just got to yell at people. That's cool. Right. But I think it's funny because there are so many, like, uh, there's so many, uh, like, stereotypes about people in the midwest that like chicago just Mm -hmm. smashes all of those stereotypes because like i i just when i go there chicago and la are two places where like one of the big impressions i took is that people scream at each other on the street there (laughs) it's just a place where people scream at each other i don't know like even though i saw a lot of that like there was a lot of love in in that screaming right there was still some very lovely people doing that screaming. tough love it's a beautiful thing. I love it. It's just the yeah. Midwest. When Jack Allison was here, he was like, uh, oh, man, you know, everybody's so nice in, in, in Columbus because they, they got to spend two days here, like in this city, kind of just hanging out. Jack and Leslie did. And Jack was like, people are just so nice. You know, when when you're walking on the sidewalk and they have to pass you, they say they're sorry. And I'm like, oh, Jack, I hate to tell you this, but that means you're walking too slow. Fuck you. <laughs> because like, I also <laughs> like, uh, I, <laughs> I apologize a lot, but my apologies a lot of the times are like, fuck you. You know, like, in my I'm mind. sorry you're walking so slow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. kind of a like, yeah, it is like, cause by the convention center, which is kind of where they were staying by the convention center, there are a lot of people here from other places doing like medical conventions or that, that's what was there last week. I, I, like I walk through the convention center yeah. all the time, Never, like a real lack of cosplay in that convention center. You know, it's like there's only yeah. certain they, they, don't, they don't do enough real good conventions. Yeah, it's all these boring like like professional conventions. I know, I know. You know what's funny about those professional conventions, Jeff? They all have live podcasts at them, which I find to be oh, oh yeah, that no. was a big deal. Just <laughs> a, the most ridiculous thing. Like I, I walked like, through like during, the dental convention. Yes, a fucking podcast. I swear, dude, I walked through one day at I think it was like an insurance convention, if I'm not mistaken, and there was like a table set up, and two people were doing a podcast at that table, and they had an audience of like 30 people standing yeah. around that probably were like. These motherfuckers are stars to me. Yeah. I listen to this insurance podcast. I love it. Yeah. It's kind of a beautiful thing though, right? I love it. Hey, I think it's odd. I I don't know if maybe they're making a living. Like, like that's just a side job for them. The podcast. Like if they're making a living from an insurance podcast, then I have a lot more faith in, in like the world and show business than I did before. (laughs) It's a leg up though. I mean, for the, it's a leg up in the, in that industry, right? Like you can just say you're the person that does that and like get a little extra credibility. Oh yeah. I mean like at the cable company, when I, I when I told people I had a podcast at the cable company, they were like, immediately fascinated with me like with right. like a second yeah. but know? i mean if you did a cable podcast yeah. though then like the higher up okay. would be way more interested in you oh yeah yeah okay so here's the thing here's the thing well, the thing that i've noticed like by doing like a like a like a radio show or whatever it's been that like when you say you got you do a podcast people are like what the whatever who cares or do you say well it's a radio show and you can listen on the radio they have like a different kind of attention that they pay to it. Oh, we did. That was, that was our hustle from the beginning. As soon as we got on a community radio, we stopped calling ourselves a podcast. Well, I'm stealing your hustle then. Yeah, no, it's I mean, a great well, move. We went Anything back you, to podcasts, though. We we, we have, decided we're we're a podcast now because you can say fuck on a podcast. Well, <laughs> I can't. Okay, so, so so the thing with GMC is that we haven't made it to the point where we can get away with saying that we're just a podcast. So we're gonna we're gonna trade on that that radio 
value is for as long as it's good. Look, and I, then and then as soon as it's useless, we're gonna spin it off. I think radio. I, I mean, there is to me a certain amount of prestige in radio. It's totally legacy prestige. It's like legacy. Prestige. Uh, right? Yeah, because if you want to get on a community radio station, you can. It's not. There's not like a high cost of entry to something like that, but it is also like uh, um, a lot of us grew up with radio being like a, an extremely important part of the culture, you know, like Absolutely. I, I, I think I talked about this on Shocktober a few times, but like in most cities, the two most famous people are the news anchors and the DJs on the radio stations. <laughs> like those are like, those are, those were like, like they were locals. It's not this way anymore. Like I don't think anybody knows who their hard rock afternoon drive DJ is. You don't think Loper and Randy? Loper and Randy's morning. Who's the afternoon? Oh, drive? nobody knows the afternoon. Who's You're the, right. Yeah. Who's the afternoon drive radio show? You got and me. You got like, me. Like I honestly think that I could ask ten people if they knew Loper and Randy, and three of them would know, and seven would not know. There's not. It, it is an industry that I firmly believe is dead. Like not dying. Dying is something I would have said oh, yeah, in 2005, yeah, you know, <laughs> like radio's dying in 2005. I've, I've had this conversation a few times with people where like my, my running theory now is that like there's a whole generation of people that don't even know how to tune into a radio station. Like I, I truly yeah, believe that. <laughs> like if my daughter, I don't know what seek, they're like, what is seek? Yeah. What, what are these numbers? What's with yeah. the numbers? You know? <laughs> I, I think 20 year olds don't know like when I do when I when we do live shows and I talk to people about Shocktober they're like really shocked at how famous those guys were they're like I, I mean like were they really like that big of a deal and it's like fucking yes they were Shocktober, like like, like the, the shock jocks were so good though like I don't know there was just something so transcendent about that time period it's kind of, it's really amazing. They let you do things like it's just a real snapshot in time, right? Because there was like this with. idea, there was like this idea that like uh, there were some kind of rules in in society, and then there were these guys that like were actually paid more to like break those rules. Like their job was like, oh, yeah. there's a set of norms and rules, but then. There's like eight people in the country that are like their whole job is like I gotta break yeah. these rules, and that's kind of gone now. Yeah, really. well, yeah, but that that's the best part because like every incentive in terms of the like the industry was to break those rules, but every rule was designed to like stop the in like the industry from like actually like materially being interesting. Yeah, <laughs> so like you kind of like had like the pro the, the thing that the rules. The fact that the rules were in that place made the fact that they were breaking the rules like possible. I also feel like the rules, something about the rules that that like gets to me is like in the end, and you'll you'll hear this on the Howard Stern episode. In the end, uh, it's an inherently kind of conservative type of entertainment, and that like they followed yeah. all the radio rules, like they 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 did right, they right, broke right, right, right. society's rules, and they said the things that you weren't supposed to say. But in terms of radio, it was like, I signed a contract and that means I have to be here. And like, you have to be able to talk up a song 
in order to do this. If you can't say up next, we have far behind by Candlebox, then you're not worth a shit, you know? And it's like, that. it's such an odd well, you said, like, you thing. In the, you said it yourself in the Opie and Anthony episode, but it was like every 15 minutes, Howard Stern would just try and like, Spike the ratings just so he would get the numbers. I, like I, he's just following the rules that are put in front of him. I said that, and it blew Brett's mind so much that he wanted to take off. <laughs> I thought it felt like you were like, I want to. <laughs> that's I'm going to be that guy. Every 15 minutes, I'm just going to ask somebody if they do anal. <laughs> that's how I'm going to keep. That's not the wrong thing I think either. Like, no, that, exactly. The, like, if you want to, if you want to do what, what if you want to get like whatever you know metrics or. That's exactly the right thing to do. Yeah, I, that's the thing is like, yeah, I mean, that seems like an easy job. Like now we have to be like compelling and honest and like bare our soul. But if I was just like every 15 minutes had to say something to make somebody go nuts or yeah. to be rude yeah. or like provocative, you, God, I could do that. I like just, that would just be so much better. That came too late. But, yeah, yeah. And, and I sort of feel like with what we do, what podcasts do, I'm not going to say just me and Brett do, uh, infinitely more interesting in that like the format rules don't exist for us and that like we it's it it is like as far as how conversation works it's like podcasts are a much better vehicle for people having compelling conversations because we can lay out for an hour i don't have to be funny every two minutes like stand up you know what i mean i can like Oh, and, thank God. Good thing for that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't have to do, I don't, there's so much that I don't have to do. I, I do though think that if you're a podcaster or a host out there and you're listening to this, like I would encourage you to do open mic standup. I, I think it's like a really important, yeah, yeah, I think totally. it's an important uh, element of what got me and Brett where we are. And uh, I think like, even like with the Chapo guys, like, they continued to least get better. At understanding that experience. Yeah, and they t they continued to get better as they perform live. Like it's such a singular thing mm -hmm. doing a podcast. It's such a, a solitary thing where it's like you you are talking and you don't know what's working. Uh, and, and the shock jocks did yeah. this too. Yeah, but yeah, you absolutely. have a perception of what's working. But until you've tested that in front of a room of people that don't know who you are. You don't. You really don't know what's working because there's things. That's scary. There's that's things. That's, that's, scary right. Than that. There's things in podcasting though that, like, there's things on Street Fight that me and Brett absolutely love and loved doing, and found out after taking it in front of people, it wasn't that good. And like, we could have kept doing it, you know, like, oh, maybe we'll try. It. Yeah. But you just drop it because I used to love writing like skit skits for the show. Like I, I had a good time writing them, but like we got in front of audiences and we saw what worked with us. And it was like, you know, what actually works for us is like honesty and sincerity and, and like, you know, trying to be as funny as we possibly can and, and thought provoking, but like, uh, we would have never figured that out had we not stood in front of audiences. And I think that like, uh, you can, if you do a podcast, you can like really fall in love with, with segments or things in your podcast that you really like that like may not be connecting with the listeners of the podcast because you don't have any way to tell what is connecting and what isn't connecting. And the shock jocks did that a lot too. Cause I don't truly think that like, uh, uh, strippers on the radio 
or like the big stunts. I don't think those those were compelling. You can't see them. That's the thing right. about the surface on the radio is you can't see them. Yeah, I I don't feel it's like like those, a fear to the mind stuff. I feel like the most compelling stuff on those shows is when they're just talking and having a conversation. But they felt like yeah. they felt like no, the most compelling things we do is like have couples have sex in public places and and like <laughs> But right. but like if they had had like engaged if they had engaged their audience in a different way, they would have understood like no, like we're really just looking for like a free flowing, funny conversation. And like uh I really I, I really the first two years of Street Fight, I think I, I would say like the first four four years of Street Fight were like we we tried to do written material for the first year and mm -hmm. a half. And uh you know what? It didn't work. It, like, just I don't think people liked it. And then uh, writing after, stuff hard, right? And then after we after we tried that, uh, you know, I think we got a little too serious for a period of time, and uh, I don't think people like that either. You know, and, and like uh, we hit on what we do. It took us a long time to hit on what we do, but now we know what we do and we know how to make it. And uh, I mean, that's why I'm comfortable. Like launch that's like why i'm comfortable doing the pod cast and shocktober and stuff is because yeah. like i really truly think it took me and brett this many years to get this thing to a point where we know what people like and what we want to do you know <laughs> like how there's how real, to do it a real difficult balance there's a real difficult balance between um like responding to feedback and like staying true to yourself Right, like you don't want to like like bend yourself over backwards and like 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 not be who you are in terms of like when people say hey you know or when they or even when you don't you don't get like explicit feedback when you just don't get like the response that you expect yeah and you just have to adapt to whatever situation is going forward and then there's a difference between doing that and just sort of pandering and yes. like the second thing the pandering is sucks and it's obvious and like it's just it doesn't work. Right. I, I, I think that like you have to uh, still do what you do and that, but you have to, right. you're in, in, you are in, when you are doing a podcast, you are inherently in an entertainment field and you are an entertainer Yeah, and your responsibility. Number one, I mean, you can make your number one responsibility politics. And I admire people who do that. You know, I, I think that mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that's like an admirable, I think it's an admirable, admirable way to go. But I think like you should also still understand that like one of your top priorities needs to be entertaining. And like, uh, that's right. something Absolutely. that we work really hard to, to kind of, you know, it's like, this is an entertainment show. And I, I work very hard do a good job of that. To, to make it entertaining first. And then hopefully the politics get in there, you know? So, uh, no, no, that, that comes through. It really does. Jeff, tell them where to find your show. And uh, thank you for good morning, comrade. Right. Yeah. And you where can, can they get morning, it? Comrade at good morning. Uh, good morning, comrade.com. You can also check us out at WHIVFM.org slash good hyphen morning hyphen comrade. Did you say WHIV? Uh, every time we do this. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we've, we've been through this. Yeah, with it's, it's, it's radio with. Wiv. They should change Wiv radio. it. They they should change it, but I I you know what? You don't have any choice. No, in the tell him again because he doesn't know. Please, Jeff, explain to him. So 
the, uh, the radio station is um, a part of a nonprofit called the uh, Inf- New Orleans Infectious Disease Association. Oh, okay. So the, the idea is that to spread awareness of like HIV. And okay, like that. and that's also, good. Like, <laughs> Brian's aware, but he's uncomfortable. Voices. Brian's aware now, but he's uncomfortable. That's fine. Now I feel like I made fun Look, of AIDS. Fun. I'm not like making fun of that. I'm just saying that like HIV is like not a positive thing to like Actually, i don't know what i don't know how to explain it sure. yeah right i don't know how to explain no, it i'm know. saying that like i'm tuning into the radio station and like so, you're tuning so in here's why you're 100 like this is why this is a good response and a good conversation to have is because in terms of like bringing this conversation forward the idea behind and, and mark allen the uh, director is a friend of mine he says that um like part of the destigmatization process or whatever is engaging in these sorts of conversations. Yeah, That's true. So I, like that. I appreciate it. Yeah. That, I mean, and I don't so, know why I reacted like that. Cause part of me and Brett <laughs> always talk about destigmatization with drug use. Okay. So it's like exactly the same yeah. thing, you well, know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you gotta be entertainer, but uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it I I have I do remember the last time you called. So Sorry, that Jeff. Was really I, good. I I, uh, <laughs> I I'm an idiot. Uh, thanks for calling, Jeff, and hopefully we see you again. I love soon. you guys. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, we love you. Yeah, too. peace. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is a very sweet guy. He drove us back to our hotel from uh, Kaiju Big Battle, a wrestling show that I didn't enjoy. All um, right, Ooh, <laughs> slander. All right, we've got. We've got enough to get through this. I don't think we're in speed round mode next, but uh, I think I think we'll get you all in here. So stay on the line. Uh, you ready to do this? Absolutely. How you I'm feeling ready. about how you feeling about that last the, the end of that call? Ugh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Well, you know? you know, it is still something that needs to be talked about. There is a lot of issues uh, regarding like access to care that like takes care of things right. like that, like Truvada or Prep, uh, as it's called, like. Those type of things. I did see Pete Buttigieg talk about like a comprehensive plan for like providing that for people, which is a very important issue to talk you know about in this good, day and age. You know what would be a good comprehensive plan for getting that to people? Medicare for all. Sure. Like, <laughs> like they but, would be able to just get it. Right. But I think that like, you know, uh, you know, during our growing up period that was like a death sentence and now it's like a completely different situation so like you you just have an outdated idea of like what hiv means you know right and yeah. in, in the preventive measures that are available these days absolutely i i 100 i do like you know i'm not i'm not perfect i'm no no it's fine no it's bad. great you do a good job you know you know it's good to to get it out there it's, it's also, great to have the conversation also i think this time i thought he said w-h-i-z which is also the whiz. That would be a good one. Yeah, I would. Oh, you would call it the whiz. Like the first thing you thought was like smart wizard. Yeah, whiz. When I hear whiz, the first thing I think is taking a pee pee. Oh no, yeah, because my do- my wife calls it a whiz. You also, you know what? Something that's always made me uncomfortable about you is that you said when uh, everyone says when someone says they're going to do a load like of laundry, you think of like a load of jizz. Everybody thinks of load. I've Jeez. never, I never like, call it a load. It's never a load to if me. If you're on the phone, we're going to ask you, but when Someone you hear says the load. word load, you think of, if you don't think of jizz, I, don't think I just think you're an abnormal person. No, I don't. Like when I look at the laundry 
container and it says it's got 51 loads in it. I'm like, it's like, <laughs> <they're> just like, <laughs> all right. Whoa, that's a lot of loads. Yeah. Quite I've a dropped that many in my life. That's a lot of more. that's a that's a lot of baby batter. Hey, all right, let's see who's on the line next. I'm here. gonna ask them too. Thanks for calling is. Street Fight. Are you thinking about loads tonight? Hello, howdy. Hey, I got a question. This is an honest. This question. is horrific. This is part of our horrific is- series. Of <laughs> when you see the word load, do you think of jizz? That's all I'm asking. Of course. Dang. What else like who? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what else is there to think about? Exactly. That's exact shit. I do so but much like, laundry. I think of loads. I as just jizz. only laundry is my number one. I spend so much time on laundry that uh, you're fucking grandma. Like I know. Yeah, I am. I am. He is a grandma. I absolutely. He's, he's just like he looks at the word load and he was like. He thinks of laundry. I'm like, oh, fuck. I got to go throw something. I got to go switch it over right now. Right. You don't laugh like Beavis and Butthead when you see that the that the that you can do maximum loads on the washer. You're <laughs> nope. like, ah, nope. maximum load. Nope. That's <laughs> a lot of jizz. Nope. <laughs> What's your name? You're not living right. Yeah, exactly. I'm you, Zach from what, Minnesota. What's up, Zach? How's it going tonight? Doing good. How about you guys? We're pretty... We're in a good mood. I mean, I'm not like you know dropping any loads or anything like that but i'm feeling okay you know it's loads of yeah. jizz yeah we know okay i'm just making sure <laughs> this goes out over the airwaves um what's up zach how's he going <laughs> uh, i'm i don't know like i've got a bunch of topics right now that i'm thinking of that i'm like trying to debate which one to do like i've got shitty manager stories maybe some opie and anthony yeah, I'm, I'm interested sure I don't know in. What I want to talk about. I'm interested in either one of those. I am an Opie and Anthony expert. Uh, which, which one okay. do you think is the spookiest story? The spookiest story? Yeah. Okay, that's that's my okay. So when I a couple uh, like a year ago, I had my first job, and it was I was working at Target. Now I I went in pretty like innocent, like I had never had a job sure. before, so I'm like okay. I like Target. You know, I like walking around. It'll be fun. It'll oh, be good. And uh, let, let's look at the job descriptions. Which one's the best one? Oh, this one, cart attendant. Oh, I just push carts all day. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, wrong. A lot of work. Here's the thing about cart attendant is that not only are you pushing the carts, you're also a glorified janitor. You're the guy cleaning up the shit, the puke. That's what you're doing. That's your oh. realm. That's your job. You know, so, so you're just like I've, a gopher. You're and, just like anytime something happens, they're like, yeah. ah, just take them off carts and let yeah. them do it. I want to like and everybody phrase, fucking I, hates you. Like I, I, everybody I, hates you. I want to put something out there, yeah, though, Zach. First, to to remind the listeners, you said you're calling from Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yeah, you don't do carts in Minnesota. <laughs> like, that, that, that I can't think of a worse idea. Than, but I, I'll say no. this: I got a job. Thankfully, at- I quit before winter. <laughs> but like, I was talking to a guy who did him in the winter, and he was telling me stories about how like he almost died because it got too cold. But the manager made him stay outside. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? Well, pushing carts in but, snow. Uh, that's how I, I lost his finger. But I, I want to say this though: I, I do want to say like. I'm with you on this because like when I got the job at Chuck E. Cheese, I thought like, how could this suck? Like what could suck about this job? <laughs> I'm actually here to fix the games. And they told me I could play yeah. games. Like, how could this suck? And then they were like, uh, you know, What's wrong? some kid was crawling through the tunnels 
and he shit himself. And then all the other kids crawled through the shit and we need you to climb in there and clean all the shit out of the inside of the tubes. And it was like, oh, okay. This is why adults say work sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So my first time I ever cleaned up any shit, I was, I was pushing carts and then I got a call on my walkie talkie. And my uh, manager was like, uh, Zach, I think you should come in, which that's not a good sign. That's never a good sign when they're like, I think you should see this, but they won't tell you what the fuck it is on the phone. They like, never want you... Like, you should come. You should take a look. Yeah. They never want you inside if you're doing carts. I got to say, <laughs> like, this is a fascinating thing about Target, though. Uh, I didn't know that that was a job there because at, at, at the grocery store I worked at, carts were baggers. So like you were a bagger and you bagged the groceries most of the time. And then every hour or like you got to do an hour of carts a day. So each one of the baggers well, did they, an hour yeah. of carts a day. Well, here's the thing is what they don't tell you is that uh, you're also like a part-time cashier. So when there's not enough cashiers on the line one day, then they put you on cash, but you're not, you never, were never formally fucking trained to be a cashier. Oh, so you God. don't know what the fuck you're doing. And th they put me on at like Saturday at like 11 fucking AM. Ah. And just hordes of people. Like only the worst time. That's totally like, true. You're here. Just this, and it's a super target, so people are buying like fucking four hundred dollars groceries and shit. And I don't. And then it's like they give me an apple, and there's no sticker on it. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, what do I do with yeah. this? I just hold it. Like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> it it sucks. It's bad. But My like I was God. saying, I I hated like, come in. I hated doing the cashier okay, stuff too. But uh, go ahead. Oh. You you the manager calls you. And, I'm just saying <laughs> when I did carts. Yeah. After Optiwella in the chat said they're hitting a cart right now. Oh, okay. Right. When, All this cart talk. When I do carts, when when I did carts, that it was sort of a thing where they were like, first of all, you weren't allowed to go to the smoking table. They 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 fucking saw you at that smoking table. Which I, I did all the time. Yeah. But like they were staking that smoking table out. But also, like, it just like if you showed up inside to go pee. A manager would like in a yeah. huge store. A manager would be up your ass, like, "What are you doing inside? You're supposed to be doing carts." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I, it has to be bad if he's calling you in. Yeah, so he calls me in, and then he, I go, "What is it?" He's like, "It's, look, it's the bathrooms." And I go, "Okay, well, what is it?" And he goes, "Uh, it's a little hmm." And he and then he did that thing with his hands where he's like the fifty-fifty thing, and I'm like, "Oh, this isn't good," because he's like a really positive guy. And so then I walk in and I I look at the stall and I open it up and I see there's the stall right there. There's the toilet seat. One half the toilet seat seat completely smeared with shit, like totally like just fucking dark brown. The other half completely clean. Like you see <laughs> oh white. god. So then what, so I was like, were, I had never cleaned it up before. And like, he was like, just grab some towels or some shit. I was like, okay, I'll do that. I didn't do that. I just brought my mop in. I took that mop. I mopped the toilet with the mop. Yep. And then I, I, I locked that fucking stall and I said, it's out of order. And then I went about the rest of my day. That's exactly what, that's bravo. You did the right thing. Because I remember I was a yeah. teenager. I worked at this toy store. And there was like, there's a bathroom situation and someone smeared shit on like the mirrors and all over the whole fucking place. <laughs> and they were like, 
I was like, there's a drain in the bottom of this thing. I'm taking this fucking mop and just slinging it all over the walls. Like I just did. I was, I had like literally a 10 foot pole between me and that shit. And like, I didn't care how it got up, but I'm not going to do like any sort of like toothbrush work on it. Yeah. Like I just went crazy with the yeah. mop on it. I mean, I did like, oh, but the women's bathroom, there was like a women's oh, issue no. that happened in the women's bathroom that I had to go in at Chuck E. Cheese and like clean up. And like, it really, as a 16 year old toxic masculinity kid, like seeing that tampon fucked me up for a good period of time. It was just all over the place. You never got your blood wings. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't like to talk about, but, but you know, it's one of those things that's like, uh, it's one of those things that's like, people are going to do wild shit in public bathrooms. Like that's yeah, just the yeah, way yeah, it's yeah. wild in there. The world we have but to if, live. But if you in. have a mop, if you have a big wet mop that's covered in like fabuloso or like some sort of like just all purpose cleaner, like you can take down all the disgusting things of the world. <laughs> yeah. So that's what you have to look at. That's the, but you should be rewarded handsomely. I feel like like that's what that's live streaming needs to go into the public bathrooms of America where it's like I'm about to clean this fucking place. I'm only getting paid 850 an hour, you know? Like this is not mm-hmm. This is not a fair deal. You so know? Like, do you think like if you have to clean up shit, they should just have to give yeah, you hazard $50? Pay. Combat pay, hazard pay, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Double your hourly rate. Oh, God, yeah. No, they should yeah, give I you know. 50 Dude, bucks because your hourly time. rate's nothing. You know what's but it's funny is like uh, we were talking about it at the Halloween party last night. I, like I've picked up poop to throw at my friends. Like if I see dog poop on the ground when I was a kid, I would pick it up and throw it at my friends. I've like shit in the sink. And picked it up and transferred it to the toilet. But like if if it's somebody else's like and you're paying me money, like nine dollars is not enough. I really need something more. I need yeah. a payday. I need a payday. I can clean up your shit, but it needs Dude. to be a payday. I don't know. I have wh- this shit story to end all shit. Why don't we value it? We just don't value it. Yeah, we should. What please yeah. I, hit us with I, the, I need to hear this. The so most horrific shit episode. story. Okay, yes. So, we have some more calls, but I really want right. to get spooked right now. All right, so I'm pushing my cart outside, and then I, I get a call. And this was, like, you know, halfway through my tenure there, so I couldn't just quit on the spot because I still wanted the job. And so I get a call on my phone from one of my managers, and he's like, you have to come in now. And I'm like, oh, shit. And he's like, get in here as soon as possible. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. So I, I, I walk in, and there's 10 people in front of, you know there's how there's like beauty sections and targets or whatever? Uh-huh. There's 10 people in front of the section, 10 employees, and they're directing customers away from, they go, go away, get away, <laughs> go away, uh, don't step there, go. Like they're, like they're directing people like air traffic controllers. I go, oh fuck, what is this? And then my manager comes over to me and he goes, Zach, I'm going to have to show you this. And in front of the... Uh, the section, like the beauty section, I just see a line of shit, just like right in front of it. Oh, clear no. as day. And I go, oh my God. I go, this is bad. And he goes, it gets worse. And what had happened was some dude had started at the back of the beauty section. He'd walked through every column on both sides. And there was just a line of shit going through every column. But it gets worse, okay? He left the, he left the beauty area. He went around the whole store. The whole supermarket, okay? See, I like There's a this giant guy. circle. Yeah. All right? He comes back to the beauty section, takes a right again, walks down. You know how in Target's there's numbered cashier booths or whatever? 
He walks down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He gets all the way to cashier number 17. He walks through that one, takes another left, goes to the water fountain. All right, this is, this is where the line's going. There's an explosion at the water fountain, a mountain of shit at the water fountain. Probably because he bent over a bunch, a bunch of shit got fucking pushed out, and then he left, all right? And then what happened was people were pushing their carts. And so then more shit. Oh my god! Around the store. Everybody's Different traipsing through it everywhere. No, they're like, no, no, the no. I, I, I have to shop. I need to get through here. And it's like, no, no, no. That's shit, ma'am. It's like, no. I have to yeah. get through here. I have to <laughs> yeah. get through here, though. I this. I, I want to go here. I have to get through. Like, no, I want to get to that side of the store okay. to buy stuff. So I'm gonna go through the shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking insane, dude. <laughs> so, I mean. Oh. I, you know, I really, that's like what I, we were, there was a street fighters group thing about like throwing up at work and there was times when I just felt a little bit queasy and like I riled it and up, up in myself to like just puke in front of everybody at work because you get sent home immediately, you know? Yeah. I'm not real good at puking (laughs) lately. If I were to have a diarrhea situation at a target, like I wouldn't rush (laughs) out of the door so quickly. I would do like the Yosemite Sam thing. Like my butt, my biscuits are burning and you're just running around (laughs) in circles, spraying diarrhea all over the target. But now, you know, to know that you're on the other side of it, um, you know, I don't know. It's a good story. So I guess if you do have diarrhea, you should do it all over the target. But, you know, leave some <laughs> cash behind. Leave a tip, maybe. I would rather. <laughs> leave a tip to the jar. Yeah, just throw a $20. Like, well, he did leave a $100 bill in the pile of shit. So, yeah, absolutely. That's so bad. That's, <laughs> I'm so, like, I'm so, I actually, firstly, I just want to say that, like, uh, now I'm terrified of diarrhea in public. Really? Like, I'm just trying to think of how I would respond to that. And uh, I can't think of a way that is acceptable. Like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what the prime way for the customer to deal with it. Other than, honestly. I'm getting the fuck out of there. I mean, I'm just like, is, this shit is canceled. This Target trip is canceled. My, I would be the fuck out of there. Over, over, over. Honestly, I'm going to tell you what. This is like my Miss Manners segment. This is a manners thing. I'm going to teach you manners. And this is how you deal with this. This is the way an ethical person who is a decent person deals with this issue. And that is, okay, you diarrhea it all over the target. You got to walk up to the customer service counter and you got to tell them, I diarrhea it all over this place. Can you give me a mop? I'm going to clean it can up I, myself. Can I get a, and paper, then, a roll of paper towels? Yes. <laughs> and then you clean it up yourself. Yeah. Okay. And that is That's how fair. it gets done. That's fair. But here's the fucking thing. You're here's, just, but you have your, you're going to do it in your <laughs> shitty underwear. That's too bad, dude. You, <laughs> like you you're sitting there in your and, shitty underwear and what, pants and you're just like, yeah, I sure made a mess of this. Right. Place. What would you do if you were at home though? Yeah. I mean, you have to. You got to do what you would do anywhere. Yeah, and, and like the thing about it is, we're so conditioned to believe that like we shouldn't have to do any work when we're in public. In yeah, that that's way, somebody else's like, problem. Even mm-hmm. even like at Target, mm-hmm. a thing I do, which I know is bad, is like sometimes I'll just like pick something up and I'll start walking around with it, and I'll be like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. I'll just put it somewhere else. <laughs> and I know somebody has to go around the store and move that stuff, and I know I shouldn't do it. But I just do it because it's just like, what, am I going to walk back and put it where well, it was, comes from? Yeah, you I would know? say it's good exercise, and it also helps the employee if you take it all the way back. 
But I agree. <laughs> I yeah. Though I that is a sinister thing because I did so much facing in my life that I was like, no, if you don't want that, you have to go all the way back and you have to put it on the rack and you have to make sure it's size too. Like you like you have to return it how you found it. I know. It's like a I campsite. Know. I know. And but it's again, that's why but like we're talking about like we're talking about like new manners. In, in an era, in this era now, where we're yeah. going to have to change people. Like, we're going to have to, like, actually condition people to conduct Clean up their own shit. In a different way, in public, and in public spaces. Like, we're going to have to change the way people think about their relationship with Target. Yeah. We're going to have to change the way that people think. Because, like, that's As what, one yeah, of right. the reasons. No, landing this plane, you're right. Like, it is, like, <laughs> to get starting with, like, the vindictiveness, the meanness, the I'm better than everybody else. Oh, you have to clean somebody else's shit because I did. And then moving over mm -hmm. to something that is more ownership of your own diarrhea, you know, at that point where you're like, I'm responsible for my own diarrhea now. Uh, absolutely. You know, that's Jeez, that's a very bold stance. People want to just let the government clean up their diarrhea. They want to say America takes care of their diarrhea, but you have to do your own diarrhea. Right. I And, and like th that, I, I truly feel like the way if I was Dear Abby, right, like. Or, 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 uh, dear prudence or whoever the, the, the person is that you write advice to. I do feel like, like if I could dictate <laughs> what the norms were, it would be, you have to clean up your own yeah. diarrhea and puke and pee. Yeah. And you also have to take the stuff back to the shelf where it belongs. It's unacceptable to pick something up, take it to the other side of the store, decide you don't want it, and just put it there. True. That's unacceptable. Yeah. And that's a behavior that I engage Agreed. in, and I'm going to stop doing it. That's radical. Yeah. Please I'm going to stop. Do. I'm done yeah. with it. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Really fun calling in. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. Good call. Peace out. You know, that was also a big thing with having a kid. Uh, where it's like this kid just dumped a pile of milk all over the floor or like spilled Cheerios everywhere. And I would come and like, I would just ask like, Hey, can you give me like your cleaning stuff? Like, I don't have enough on me to take care of the mm -hmm. spill. Like go grab, where's the mop and bucket. I'll go back there. If you can tell me where it's at, but I'm about to take care of this because my shitty kid did this. It was, well, no, you did nothing. You came here to just make sure that everything was sized and faced. And then she showed up and fucked up your whole world. You right. Know? They don't give a shit that the, the manager doesn't give a shit that you're about to do something that would prevent an employee from having to do something terrible and they'll just be like no we have an underling person yeah yeah we have we make we have a cart boy that we make clean up all the diarrhea it's great you know <laughs> yeah you gotta get one yourself <laughs> <laughs> cart boy yes i had a diarrhea I accident this, again i got this walkie-talkie and just call cart boy he'll clean up the doo-doos <laughs> that you leave all over the toilet like, seat in the bathroom i'm imagining them as like the gimp basically i mean i i felt <laughs> i have had jobs where i have felt like extraordinarily like you're the hunchback in under under underappreciated you're wearing rags and like yes yes <laughs> people are just like heaping slop on you dude when i was a bagger at kroger it was like not even just like you would go in the break room and the cashiers and like the people that work in like the deli and stuff would be sitting there like these baggers don't know shit about what <laughs> right. they're doing right. you know what i mean and like they just talking shit right. about you uh you're not allowed to like 
There's no smoke Just breaks when you're a bagger, but there are smoke breaks when you're everything else. There's you, not a... If you get caught taking a tip in the parking lot, you're fucking fired. I know. I know. And and that's the that's that's like... That's a job... They give that job to like 14 and 15 year olds because like they feel like there are yeah. so many adults that just feel so comfortable ordering around. They're like ready. They're like, oh, you're, you don't even know. <laughs> yeah, This seems like hell what I'm doing to you here at this Kroger, but you haven't gotten to your career yet. Truth is, it is more hell than your career. You just can't like leave your career. Right, you know? right, right. Like, you, like that's the- You have to make amends. I, I think like bad teen employees. I don't like that teens have to have job or I don't like- making a teen get a job but i think that bad teen employees are the perfect payback to management who are assholes you know sure i, I think i just think like right. having a bunch of teens working there that don't need the job is wonderful for employee morale <laughs> yeah all right let's get these we got four more to go no more jump-ins do not call in thanks for the show so far it's been wonderful let's see who's next here thanks for calling street fight who are we talking to tonight uh, hey, this is Tom in Washington, D.C., and also Hannah. Hey. Hey, hey Tom. Tom and Hannah. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, I got fired for the first time a couple weeks ago. Ooh. Fired? Good reason or bad reason? Like, was, was, I know it's never good to get fired, but did you feel like it was your fault? <laughs> or was it, like, was really that? unjustified? Because I've been fired both no. ways. So, here's, so, so, the deal is, there's 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 two things here. <laughs> Allegedly, I was so I so I worked at this um, cafe. Are you gonna name names? I'm gonna name names. Yes. Um, Ooh, naming yeah, names. Do 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 do. Not slander. It's true. Um, uh, I I worked at Trist in Adams Morgan in Washington D.C. for the last oh. year. Oh which man. Is a, you know, kind of a. Are you familiar with the place? Yes, we stayed yeah, in Adams love- Morgan on the Hellfire tour, and it is not the type I, of place I would like to work. Oh, I love Adams Morgan. <laughs> I lived there for a while, and uh, I mean, it's a great place. It's uh, you know, yeah. No, I mean, I genuinely like. It's a nice, like, little cafe, but the management is hell. Sure. Um, so I worked there for like the last year, um, and like about a month ago, they decided that they were going to be firing me allegedly for my uh, poor customer service. But I'm, I suspect that it's because I had started to talk about the fact that we have a right to paid sick time, uh, slash trying to like set up meetings with my coworkers with like a local, uh, <laughs> worker center. Yeah, uh, that, that is, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, I, I want to confirm your paranoia on that, that you may have something. You might I, have, you might I, have a little bit well, of something it's the there. First thing we're like, I had a pretty much spotless record for, you know, almost the entire time that I was working there. And then about like three months ago, I started talking to like, you know, organizing people. And I started like handing out flyers about like, you know, how the paid sick time works and stuff. And then all of a sudden management starts treating me like I'm on very thin ice, <laughs> which is, you know, suspicious. Yeah. It's also like, that's like the worst feeling. Oh, I, I do know that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just intimidating. That's just like, you, you know what you're doing around you. You know, what, you know why we're putting the pressure on you right I, now. I also feel like right. I, I also just the reason just we know why they fired you, but the reason they gave you for firing you, I think that like firing somebody for, I don't think there is a lot of extraordinarily bad customer service. I think that people right. that go in the service industry know what their job is and they do it to the best of their ability. And most people are 
passable at customer service. We have a thing in our mind that we hate them and that they're the worst, but I don't believe that. Like I, I believe I did. I was also a service worker the whole entire time I did a, a, like a real job. And like, I'm a fucking maniac asshole in real life. <laughs> but like, I was so nice to customers, you know, I didn't let them walk. Your, your job right. is to basically let people walk all over you. And uh, you just like people do it and they're fine. I, I just like bad customer service is is like. Aside, I, I think like in order to get fired for bad customer service, you should have to like punch a customer in the face. <laughs> Basically, right. is how I feel. <laughs> like, and like that's we're getting the, screaming matches. Like, like on a daily basis, I have like you know hundreds of like perfectly regular, very friendly interactions. But the thing that they decide, like the final straw that they decided to fire me for, was a three-star Yelp review, which in which these customers basically complained that. Well, first of all, they made things up. Like the story that they told is literally not true. They said I didn't know the menu. They said I couldn't answer their questions. They said I like vanished for 20 minutes and then like, you know, came back and like, you know, gave them the wrong thing. And like those things are not true. My boss is not interested in hearing like my side of the story at all. They basically just said like, well, this is obviously evidence that like, you know, customers don't like you. So, you know, that's it. Oh, it's God. a Worked there for he worked there for over a year, and then they he, they fired him for like a so-called pattern of poor customer service, which can like consisted of two incidences, which perfectly coalesce like aligned with the timeline of when he started doing organizing work. It's, so it's just all very suspicious. It's enough, you know. And it's I one mean, of those it's like it's like they have every re like they don't it's it, it's not a matter of being vindictive about it they have enough to to be square with the government to be square with this, the courts to fire you right. and not you know I, even though you know why it's happening I mean, and, when and, I, and they and they are also you know like you said they they weren't even being sly about it they they sat you down and like or they started treating you like you were in trouble and were expecting you to know why you know and 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 what yeah. I the reason I brought up how how customer service is one of those like bad customer services is like a fake thing is is yeah. like uh that is maybe the worst reason to fire somebody. I guess if they can't get you on attendance, they have to go with bad customer service. That's great. Service. It's sub- subjective. It's like there's nothing about it that can be like really you can't you, you know, it's just a matter of feeling, you know. For them they can it's a feeling that they can legitimately get rid of you for it's just like you know i mean people aren't vibing with you you know you know how it is dog mm-hmm. like maybe you should just hit up the next place we're gonna let set you free you're a bird now you can fly like we're doing your favor <laughs> yeah no i mean my boss literally did tell me she's like well maybe customer service just isn't for you i'm right. like you're literally basing this off of like three people who you know had a bad day or something you right know, yeah like, if you don't thing after after this first event, they said they were putting him on a six-month probationary period. Jesus. So basically, if anyone else complained yeah. about him in the next half of a year, he would get fired, which is so utterly that's, insane. And they were that's, basically like, oh, well, you know, your job is to make the customer happy. So if they're not happy, you're not doing your job. It's classic small business tyrant. I mean, they have every dysfunctional yeah. fucking game that they can – any game that they want to run you through, any meat grinder they can come up with is protected because it's like – well, you agreed to work under these conditions. They have a six-month probationary period, you know? Like, that's just how it works. You have to be a razor's edge for six fucking months. I mean, but I think the thing that To really, make, like, you know, a fucking pittance. I think a, a thing that really makes me mad about this 
in the end is, is that like uh it, it it's it's it is like a really subjective metric yeah, that's to grade people on and what what infuriates me about it is that like look uh, I I I worked in service for a long time. Some customers are like really vindictive and some customers are just mean and some people write mean Yelp reviews as like their gimmick. You know, there's like people on right. Yelp who has like a who have like a gimmick where they write like really detailed bad reviews and like maybe you I I mean even if I was to take that Yelp review at its word, it's like that happened one time. You know, that uh, like there there is like, I think for me, if you are like an employer that's paying people, you need to like, if it were me, I I would have thought it's too on the nose to fire you. And it probably would have done more coaching and like tried to get you to quit. But it sounds like they probably tried, were trying to get you to quit for six months. They were. Yeah. That's what they, it sounds they, like to me. They actually when they for the when they like had the the final straw incident or whatever they sat me down and said okay we're suspending you from the schedule and if you want you can take the high road and put in your two weeks Jeez. you know and they basically spent the those the, that next week saying high like road. hey so if you want you can put in your two weeks right and you know i decided like like no like if you want to get rid of me you're going to have to fire me you know right. because this is bullshit right yeah make me leave I'm ready to come here and do my job. Right. Well, thanks for calling in. We yeah. appreciate it. That was a, a truly horrific story. And fuck you, Trist oh, and Adams Morgan. Makes their employees work sick. If anybody lives in D.C., just so you know, people have had like actual stomach flu and been forced to stay on the floor. I believe just it. Throw that out there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, yep. It sounds unsafe to me. Adams Morgan, it, <laughs> it's a hip part. There's a lot of great stuff. It is really walkable and beautiful there's so many amazing like vintage stores and record shops and restaurants and all of that but you know as we've shown that is where people step in and are like no we're doing something cool and organic and we're doing something you know that's like breaks the mainstream so you have to put up with all of our fucked up shit you know yeah we treat the animals better than the, than the right. employees right <laughs> Absolutely. We treat the animals and the plants better than we treat anybody that works here. Absolutely. Let's see. Let's get our next one. Fucking We got a few to go. I think we're going to come in. I don't want to do overtime tonight, but we might. Uh, Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? A skeleton. I mean, we needed a skeleton. A ghoul. It's Halloween. It was very creepy. Ooh, a specter. Maybe your phone's on mute. Some sort of specter. Maybe your phone's on mute. I mean, we just haven't changed a goddamn thing since the last call that came in. We have 13 minutes left. Oh, the other person dropped out, too. These people are dropping like flies. Folks, grab your loved ones. Give them a kiss tonight because all we got is this moment. Someone could just be vaporized out of nowhere. That's true. It all, happened to Al Baghdadi this yes. weekend. Uh, God all rest his the soul. flesh and blood stripped <laughs> from their bones, and they end up being just a, a pile of calcium in a coffin. We've got one more to go. Our last caller. They have to have something and truly. Then we get to go a, home. A truly horrific tale for the Halloween season. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Hello. Hey, Howdy. last call. You're the yeah. You're the cool. you're the survivor. Cool. You're the final gal. Ooh, that was fun standing. Um, Jason's gonna uh, get you. Well, uh, sorry. Um, I guess calling from San Antonio. Um, my name's Justin. Um, sadly, I missed your show. Uh, what 
uh, in Austin two weeks ago. Yeah, we were in Austin last. I don't remember anymore. We're on such a crazy schedule right now. October fourteenth. <laughs> okay, that's when we were in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Well, we let me. Yeah, we, I try. Let, let me actually apologize to you for us not going to San Antonio. How's that? Like it gets swayed some of that feeling. Ooh, yeah. I mean, you still missed the show. Thank you. Yeah, let me apologize. It's sad. It's sad. Everybody loves Austin because it's so much cooler and more hip. And San Antonio is basically the uh, military occupied city. Isn't it like <laughs> sort of like a mall? Is the downtown like there's like a river walk that's sort of like a mall too? Not that that's, I mean, every yeah, yeah, but that. it's 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 all touristy. Yeah, that's what I figured. Every city, yeah, I'm not saying like, like it's garbage. uniquely bad. I just I I have heard stories from people that are like, uh, yeah, you don't need to go to San Antonio. It's mostly a mall, and it's like, well, I mean, people say that about every city we go to. Yeah, so. since people say that about Cincinnati. <laughs> I know people say it everywhere. They're like, you you're going to the wrong place. When we did Detroit, people were like. I don't know why you're doing Detroit when you could do Lansing. And I'm like, well, I mean, oh. Detroit's an iconic city. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I I'm, I miss Michigan. Michigan, I, I was born in Flint, so. Oh, and then you're stuck in, 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 in Texas, which is a place that yep. uh, I don't love. <laughs> it's hell. It, it is, it's, well, I mean, when it's 110 degrees every day for like, Two months. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll say this. No winter, though. No winter. And secondly, like, at least it's not humid. You know? Like, you have to, like... Oh, it, it gets pretty humid. Okay. Well, then it's... It not El Paso. El Paso is nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked New Mexico quite a bit. So, I... I uh, there is a part of that, the, that part of the country that I like. I just Texas is a mm-hmm. wild place with a bunch of wild people. Yeah, lots of goofballs. <laughs> so, uh, what what's up tonight, oh, it's Justin? Definitely. Uh, not much. Just uh, I guess chilling from a long week. One dealing with family, and two just work in general. So, is, is and, work? Uh, what, what's going? On? Is is it like uh, just like is it uniquely oh, bad, or is it just grinding you down to a nub? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's. It's organizing in San Antonio, so I mean. So you're, yeah. you're you you do organize. It's got to be hard in Texas, right? Like organizing oh, a workplace yeah. in Texas sounds like like a unique challenge that isn't the same as in maybe some of the like other cities, like some of the other states oh, yeah. that have more liberal laws. <laughs> well, part of it's just that, like you know, nobody has any time and. The people who do, yeah, aren't like, I'm going to go out and, you know, do canvassing <laughs> unless yeah. you pay me. I mean, I got, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel them, though. I mean, that is kind of a, like, a lot of people do really, I mean, like, especially in, in, in places that you're trying to organize, like, they probably do work more than 40 hours a week. And, like, canvassing after that is, like. I mean, I just would think it's, like, the last thing you would want to do. We're getting a lot of canvassers. <laughs> They make a bajillion dollars too running for office, like the presidential stuff. Yeah, they could pay people. Well, I don't think they're allowed. I, well, but we're talking about a union. They're, oh, they're, 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 they're not, they don't have the same kind of money. I no, mean, not it, one bajillion dollars. A, pre- no. a presidential I campaign, that. I think, should pay their canvassers. I don't think it should be a volunteer job, but a union, you know, oh, unfortunately, yeah. that has to be volunteer. 
Well, I mean, that's we just need a complete like overhaul of like, I mean, because the entire political system is just a mess. Yeah, really. I agree. You know, I hate it. it's I, very all, scary. all of the like, all of the like populist canvassing organizations and stuff. It's it because everybody has to make money from essentially the market in order to, you know, create canvassing jobs or polling jobs or whatever. You know. Yeah, you have for to, sure. You know, make yeah. that make that green. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. We're no off. problem. Thank We're you. Work. Thank you, Justin. We love you. We got one more if you want to take it. You just said we were done. There was a jump in. Okay, we're done. Sorry. No jump in. No jump in. Sorry, jump in. We got a few minutes. We can kind of be crap. Uh, we got seven minutes left. Like, technically. Hey, the Washington Nationals. Like, really, really cool uh, World Series. They uh -huh. have a World Series game tonight. And Trump went to the game, and there is video of him. They put him on the big screen, and the crowd chanted, lock him up, and booed him. And you wow. can watch his face. Get hurt. You see his feelings. See the pain. Hurt. It is beautiful seeing uh, his feelings get hurt. I like that. It's wonderful, yeah. Let's take this jump in. All right. They've called before. Okay. I trust them. All right. They have a limited amount of time. You better be good. Okay. Something truly horrific or spooky, blood-curdling. Something that makes me want that will keep me up all night. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Uh, hey, one second. I'm getting gas. Uh, the the uh, getting gas. Can you start a fire with? Kids? Aren't you not supposed to use your cell phone no, when you get gas? Can't start a fire without a spark. That's true. This Harry, I am so sorry. I'm like in an awkward position right now. I'm driving. I. Um, spooky story. Okay. I, this is Jason from Portland, Oregon. Howdy. Um, uh, I, uh, was recently at a potluck, um, for a man named who went by Armenio Lewis. Uh, he was like an activist and organizer with the anti-fascist coalition here. Okay. Um, and he was, uh, unfortunately murdered uh like i think it was two weeks ago now okay and right now there is this kind of disturbing growing sentiment among i mean i'm sure many people are aware of like the proud boy the, like sort of a group of proud boys here in portland and also this actually even more terrifying group the patriot prayer group uh located in washington uh, who yeah. are major assholes uh, starting to, yeah, I mean, they're starting to say things like there's going to be more reenactments of this, um, threatening people online and things like that. Um, and while I was at the potluck, I, um, it, it's sort of this unfortunate, not, not even unfortunate. It's a, it's a terrifying picture. Um, you know, I, I'm not from here. I, 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 I'm totally an outsider. And I can see that, that sort of this group of people, this anti-fascist coalition, they're just a group of people who are pointing out that there are people out there threatening to kill people because they speak up against fascism. Right. Like, and, and they're, and they're not even part, what, what's so terrifying to me is that they're not even part 
of the power structure. You know, the, these people who who take to online to threaten people and actually come out and do things like take videos and pictures, and they're they're actually somewhat organized with like walkie talkies. Um, uh, they, it, it's a it's like sort of a scary scary thing that is real and manifesting before our eyes. And I guess I just wanted to talk about it because, you know, when I was going to school, a lot of my friends, especially friends who are into metal and, and that kind of stuff, they always made fun of sort of Antifa punks. But like, this shit's real. Like, this shit's real. And um, I'm really glad that people are, that this sort of coalition of people exists because it is revealing is revealing sort of the horrible ugliness that exists in our in our culture and society no you you know what this is brilliant you're absolutely right uh it's uh it is a it, an awful reminder of the world that we're in like even with you know Joshua Brown the guy that got killed by the Dallas police for being like the uh witness for Amber Geiger there is a lot of like out and open violence that happens against people that are advocating for, you know, all of us that are advocating for a different world. And, uh, it, it just becomes like a regular part of the world and something that doesn't get investigated or made into like some sort of, you know, scandal. And, and in some ways I sort of see the media here, um, because, you know, Portland, there's that sort of, pretty viral video of Andy No getting hit with a milkshake. Um, like, it, it sort of seems from the outside, it, it seems... Um, like a circus almost, or like media like fanfare. Yeah, or I hear people use the, use the words like, you know, punk, horseplay. Like, it's people just being sort of violent or, um, you know, dissenting because they're losers. Uh, when in reality, it's 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 there it's it sort of more seems like to me as the more people i meet who are part of the coalition the more it becomes apparent that it is actually just normal people it is normal people who have an understanding that isolated and alone um there are some of us that are simply not safe and are being targeted um potentially absolutely and i think that it it's Honestly, the spookiest, scariest thing that has happened to me this Halloween is sort of learning about the death of this person who is of the same age and demographic as myself. Um, and the only thing different he seems to have done is truly and actively spoken up uh, against injustice. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems to be happening a lot, like a lot more often too. That like activists are getting. I mean, the 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 Texas thing and Dallas, St. Louis. I mean, all St. the Ferguson, Ferguson yeah. at this point, like nobody is going to address it. No one wants to address what happened to Jeffy Epstein. Like that's so swept under the rug at this point. You know, people are doing it as like a joke. Oh but, yeah, but there's a lot of um, outright like covering up and uh, elimination of people that uh, is happening with us. You know, yeah, that's happening all the time. Yeah, they are. They are like yeah, people are being killed, people. locked up. Chelsea Manning is back in solitary confinement again. You know what? 
I, think, I did not even hear about that. I'm That's fairly horrible. certain that she's been locked up for a while. Yeah. I have to look it up again. I, uh, yeah, they... Uh, oh, I can't find it. I stink at this. Uh, but yeah, she's locked up and in solitary again because... That's of what not good. happened. That, that's so awful. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. Uh. Every day. Um. I like listen to your guys's radio show, and it sort of like gives me hope that there's a lot of other people out there listening that are all sort of you know banding together. And I think what's really great is that it always sort of seems like the number of people who sort of show up to these anti-fascist coalition protests and events. It always seems to be greater than it the is. people who come by, than every, who just harass them. Every time, yeah. Like when we went yeah. down to Pike... There's always going to be more people. Yeah, when we went to Pikeville, there was enough people from the town of Pikeville that like there really was no reason for anybody else to show up. Like Pikeville was already staunchly against the Nazis, you know? Like it, it just gets embarrassing, yeah. um, you know, how, how much they're outnumbered. But, you know, they they just have yeah. the protection of the status quo and their violence is something that's sanctified in our culture and, uh, and under the United States government. Uh, yeah. I mean, the police yeah. like them. There's a lot of yeah. police on their side. So that's how it is. Well, thank you for calling in. It is terrifying to think of. Uh, yeah, you uh, did it. You fascist. And right uh, on. I love this spooky. And shit. you brought us in for a landing. Thank <laughs> you for calling in. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry to be the skeleton. I had called and my phone totally disconnected me. Oh. Well, then you weren't a jump in, you, and now we're we're good. You're a reanimated corpse, and we All love right. you for that. And we I will hope not to call see you a jump in. You go ahead and message me. I'll get you tickets to the show in Portland if you're going to be there. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, I'll send you guys an email. Yeah, just I'll, let me know. Uh, I'll hook you guys up with some with some sweet shit as well. All right. Sweet. Yeah, Thank we, love, you. we love any sweet shit. Yeah, by the way, if you're in, in on the West Coast and you're where any other tour dates are happening, I like pills. Like, I like all the kinds of pills. So, you know, I'm not saying bring them for me. I'm saying, like, if you, you will buy them, them even, me, if, you're a, like them. Yeah. if you're a dealer, too. Like, yeah. you like gifts, but you would also purchase them. Uh, so I promised I would tell it. I, I'm going to do a little overtime, but I wanted to tell a, a fucking awful, horrific parent story. Okay. Um, there was a time uh, me and Erica were dating at this time. She had moved to Dallas and we were away from each other. And uh, something about my life was like getting back on track. And so I went to go with my parents to an Oktoberfest. And we go there and hanging out. And I had never really drank with them in any sort of capacity. And uh, we start drinking and the conversation gets, gets really contentious. And uh, they start talking about shit like socialism. They start talking about shit like, you know, just everything, wild shit. And we start fighting. Like, I'm just being, like, quippy and, like, I'm just being an asshole, you know? Yeah, I like, remember this now. Yeah. I'm just doing everything I can to, like, like my dad is like, you know, fucking Barack Obama is going to make uh, the goddamn country socialist. And I was like, well, I hope we can do it faster. You know, I was like, it's just taking too long to get there, you know? Um, and then we're talking about my upbringing and I, and I mentioned how, like, when I was at the school in the city that the teachers really cared and they were like so dedicated, but in the suburbs, they just felt like babysitters and we're fighting back and forth. Like once again, drinking the whole time, like this is a, such a bad idea. And it gets to the point where my, 
my dad calls me an n-word lover <laughs> and uh like that was the final straw where i was just like fuck you and you to their face and it was like i don't need you in my life and i never did i'm doing fine by myself and i stormed out of there but they had driven me there they came and picked me up so i was stuck at the fairgrounds and i had to walk all the way home and i like i bought like a black and mild on the way to like just calm my nerves and shit but as i'm getting there like this is a two or three mile I mean, no i mean it's probably five mile walk. it is it is i mean you know better it's like from the fairgrounds to grandview up to north star yeah i mean i i i have uh it's five miles it's yeah i think it's it was five all night six. long it was in the middle of the fucking night i remember because you came to my house and so as i'm getting close to our home i get this feeling like i got to use the restroom and i start like picking my step up i just start like walking a little bit faster and as I round the corner, I go into a full-blown run to get to the house because I feel like this dude who's about to jump out. And as I'm running, this is the biggest mistake. This is something you learn when you're, you know, this is something you do when you're 20 years old and you learn this lesson. Uh, but you don't run because you release all of your bowels all over yourself. Like, I shit all over myself so spectacularly. And it was the weirdest night of my life to just... Like, fight with my parents, tell them I would never talk to them again, but then also poop all over myself. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I have to go take a shower and clean shit all over myself like I'm a baby again. Like, I've been thrown back into some sort of weird, like, Carl Jung, you know, father-son relationship all over again. Like, my dad scolded me and I pooped my pants. <laughs> 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 right yeah it was yeah. wild it, it was like but i didn't talk to him forever until i had a kid and then it was like pretty much i earned their respect by pretty much by telling them they were awful like i earned their respect and they're still awful and they're in the same situation that you know you know uh that you know my me and my dad's relationship is similar to you and your father-in-law in that in that like i know he's not going to agree with me but we do not fight like there's no fighting at all like it's a really great thing now yeah you know it pretty much once i told them off they were like okay we won't say anything that'll make you mad because you will actually disappear on us and like move to another fucking state right <laughs> yeah. like, like i will literally disappear on your ass and you'll never i'll fake my own fucking death if i have to yeah the like, last argument i think i had with my dad was like when when we got home from new york somebody gave me this like insanely potent edible that was like I ate 50 milligrams of weed before we went to Easter uh -huh. and I'd driven all night because I left New York at like uh, nine o'clock at night and I drove all night and got home and then woke up and I went to go to Easter and all I remember was like, I'm having an argue. I'm really high and I'm having an argument with my dad about communism. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then I fucking left and was like. I was like, I had to go like lay in bed and hide. Gwen still brings up how stoned I was that Easter because really, I was like she was like out of she my was astonished, mind, yeah, just yelling about communism. <laughs> well, I don't even fucking do that. Like that's not even like in yeah. my. It's in my character on the podcast. Obviously, I come on a podcast, I yell about communism and stuff. But like, I don't do that when we're all just <laughs> like not a, out. not at Easter. Yeah, like that's not the type of like, dude I Jesus am. Jesus was actually a communist when you think yeah. about oh, it. Oh no, it was just he shit wanted like, bread and fish for everyone. It was just shit like I know you think communism's been tried, but it hasn't been tried. You're <laughs> ignorant of the past. You're yeah, you're unloaded. How things work and capitalism 
I'm, you know, you're, I'm like telling my dad, like, you know, whenever capitalism like, all sees out. people working together, it fucking stomps it out. And like the whole world aligns against communism when anybody tries. And my dad is just kind of sitting there. My dad's like this really emotionless guy. And he's just kind of sitting there like, yeah, I'm just like not a communist. It's right, like, right. That was his whole Pretty thing. Pretty much, yeah. But I was just yelling at him <laughs> yeah. for like an hour. So that, that was like the last time I fought with my yes. parents. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for listening to Street Fight. If you want to support what we do, you can do that on Patreon. You can also just subscribe and listen each week. We love what we do, and we're grateful to everybody that tunes in. And, you know, if we win, everybody wins. We hope that eventually we can spread this mess across the U.S. and to every corner of the flat earth so that there will be a global uprising of uh, party people that are ready to take all the money from the folks that got it and live on a much leaner lifestyle. Like, we got to cut it out with the production. Production needs to be quartered. We got to spend a lot of less time making stuff and just making do. So if you're down with that and you're ready to make the age of Aquarius happen, that's what we're here for. I'm Brett. He's Brian. We'll see you later this week. We're Street Fight. Also, oh shit, Wednesday nights, Street Fight in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to AEW watch party aw and nxt come to the elevator tap room it's on fourth um we have all kinds of cool folks from the dsa hanging out um there's regular people we've got like a hat we've got like a dozen people at this folks at this point so folks i got ahead of myself we got like a dozen people that are showing up where it's going to get bigger and better it's a really fun time uh to hang around with everybody and you know let off some steam and uh watch wrestling so elevator tap room on fourth street fight will be there every wednesday that we aren't on the road uh we'll see you uh on wednesday like you know we're gonna do a later show probably be around midnight is gonna be the uh, new live stream i want to try to get the i want to do this sound file right let me hit this oh damn it i love it when you sign out of the show it says that that is the end Goodbye. It says like that real 1970s robotic voice. Peace, y'all.